Hello, and welcome back to Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I am Patrick Vicious. I'm Rob the Cinema Drunkie. And today is the start of us covering basically every Scream thing that has existed that we haven't covered before Scream 6 comes out. Today is the beginning of that. So therefore, yeah. today is the day we do Scream 3, which is my pick. Yeah. Um... I was I was trying to figure out what to call it. Uh, I wanted to call it Screamuary, um, you know, since since we're doing this through all throughout the month of February. But um, the the way it's positioned, we we we're not we're going to go all the way into March. Um, what so when Scream like, Six comes out? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that won't really work. So we'll just call this uh, uh, our Stabathon, our own personal Stabathon. Um, and yes, uh, we'll Screamathon. Uh, yeah, Screamathon, but I mean, Stabathon sounds better, obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah. considering uh, that's what they called it. In, uh, but yeah, you could also call it Screamathon. Um, yeah, uh, we're very excited for the release of Scream 6, so it's like, hey, let's let's just do the rest of the Scream movies, you know what I'm saying? Because that, 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 that'd be exciting, but then it's like, oh, that's right, we only have three left. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's still more than half, <laughs> and we also, we covered them... Like pretty quickly, like the first episode obviously was Scream, um, and then like was it a month or two months later that we did Scream Two? Yeah, because we did it in December. Yeah, okay. Um, but it was like, yeah, I was gonna say. So even so, I was just like, so I mean, yes, we're like we're gonna run through them, but still, like we got we like we still have like half of the franchise left to go. I mean, actually, I did suggest also doing the TV show, but that's that's probably untenable. Um, um sir, th- th- that was my suggestion. Thank you very much. But then, is, uh, I said that was an option because we were deciding because it was the original idea as people were going to figure it out when we do it. But um, what to do? Because we're not going to just do like three, four, five. We're going to do three and then something else and then four and then something else and then five and then scream six. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I wanted to bring up that uh, this was completely unintentional. Um, but the day we are recording this, February 4th, is the 23rd anniversary of the release of Scream 3. Oh, that actually makes sense. Because I remember being, like, in winter. I think I told you the story. Like, um, Yeah, when you almost died? Yeah, like, when, like, I, like I almost died and it was the dead of winter. So it does track that it was the beginning of February. Because, like, this is the worst fucking possible time of year in terms of, like, snowfall and ice and whatnot. Um. But yeah, no, I I still think it's awesome. Like I was like, it's funny because like I a lot of people have like shit on it. Um, I mean, at the time, but also in intervening years, I definitely think it's the weakest screen movie. But I do think it's awesome. Um, I disagree. I do not think it's the. I mean, it's the weakest out of the original trilogy. Yeah. When Scream was considered a trilogy. Well, that's uh, what the whole point of this is. There's like in the movie itself, there's like tons of references to it being a trilogy. And it was just like 10 years later, they were like, hey, we're going to do a fourth one. And it was just like the new trilogy. I'm like, all right, I guess. And then it was like, it didn't make any money. So they were like, that's yeah. the end of that. I had that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my Scream trilogy box set. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, re- I like actually remember like it. it because I, I was in high school when uh, this came out, and uh, it was pretty big, like, deal. When, like, everybody's like, oh, I gotta see Scream 3, you know what I'm saying? Scream 3. And then, like, uh, out of all my friends, I was the only one to see it actually opening weekend. Yeah, I saw it um, opening weekend, too, yeah. 
Yeah, and I saw it in a packed theater and shit where everybody was going nuts for it. So I was just like, yeah, like, Scream 3 is great. And then I found out years later that, wait, nobody likes Scream 3? What the, what the fuck was the problem? And then, like, I rewatched it and I'm just like, eh, I can see it. I, I, yeah. I, I, can, I can see the issues and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like how people, like, refer to it in, in like, a derogatory manner as the Scooby-Doo one. Um <laughs> And it's like, like, yeah, it's more mystery focused than uh, the the others and shit. Like the the other two are mysteries, but this one's more about like you know the mystery of who's the killer and uh, what what happened to Marine Prescott. That's why I like to call uh, the the first three the Marine Prescott saga. You know That's what I'm saying? Because I it mean, all com- it all comes back to her. You know what I'm saying? No, that is legit. I mean, the only thing is like the the one thing I will say is that I don't think a lot of people like talk about is there's two things actually first thing is this is the one the only one before a five um i'm not calling it just screen 2022 or whatever um the only one before five that um wasn't written by kevin williamson because aaron kruger wrote it it was from like a very like rough outline from williamson but what i understand aaron kruger didn't even follow that that closely no um so that's a factor and b um it was even having that it ended up having to be completely scuttled and basically started from scratch because columbine happened and so i guess all of a sudden everybody involved like on the producer level like the wine scenes everything were like so we're gonna scale back the violence in this considerably to the extent that i guess the original plan was to not have any on-screen violence in it and i guess it was wes craven that stepped in and was like okay so, if you want to make another movie and call it something else, totally fine. We can do that. That's fine. If we're calling it Scream, if we're calling it Scream 3, it has to be up to a certain standard or else we're not doing it. And right. which is why we got the movie that we did. But it's also like, because Columbine happened, they ended up completely changing, from what I understand, the ending, where the whole reason that like the thing that has picked up steam, especially in recent years, of Stu being alive being a thing was um because i guess originally the plan was in three that he was going to be alive and he was basically yeah. going to be puppet mastering um a couple of kids to like basically do they were doing his bidding his ghost faces and then i guess when columbine happened the idea of having kids as killers again was like not something that anybody was into doing so then like you kind of end up with the movie which okay i i think we've already said this i want to say i don't know if we were off mic or not um but i definitely have said it many times in life uh i don't dislike uh him because it's like my, it's like my thing with screen three in general like i don't dislike it even though it's my least favorite but my least favorite ghost face is roman by a lot like i just i also because scott foley sure perfectly nice guy Really, really bland. Just nothing about that dude is special. He's handsome. That's literally all he has going for him. Perfectly nice guy, I'm sure. Just fuck that guy in a lot of ways. Uh, As an actor. Um, Because he just, nothing really going on. Um, But but no, like, so like, given all of the things that were kind of like working against it, I still think that it, it actually deserves a little bit more credit than it gets. It's kind of like my thing with like, when we get to Scream 4, like, my feelings about Scream 4 changed in the, like, years since it came out. Because when I first saw it, I felt a certain way about it. And then later I changed that viewpoint. Um, it's kind of my thing with Scream 3. It was, like, I feel like people should, like, re-examine Scream 3 under the lens of, like, what its production was. And kind of give it some fucking slack. 
because people are like, and I, I'm not saying it's not, it's, it's, it is my least favorite. I'm not going to argue that. But people talk about like it's sucking. And I was like, that's unfair. A, because it's not true as far as I'm concerned. And B, because like the fact that like it is even decent is a fucking miracle. It's kind of like the yeah. thing with like Scream 2, where like they like the, the accelerated schedule of that, the fact that it's as good as it is a miracle. The fact that Scream 3 is watchable considering all of the fucking obstacles placed in its way is a fucking miracle. No, yeah, true, true. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, yeah, you know, coupled with the the, the Columbine thing and um, the, the 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 many rewrites and all that shit, and Aaron Kruger fucking not following Williamson's uh, outline at all. It was just like, yeah, this this could have been a major disaster and shit, but like it actually turned out to be. I mean, I, I think it's a good movie. Yeah, um, I, I still like it. I still yeah. think it's good. Yeah. Um, also, I, I feel like it's a, a perfectly fitting end to Sydney, which yes. is why... Like, I would 100% I, agree with that, yes. Yeah, this is why everybody's like, oh, it's not going to have Sydney in it. And it's like, I could agree to that in the sense that it's going to be weird not having Sydney in a screen movie, but I'm okay with it because it's like, it, it was nice having her in 4 and 5, but... We don't necessarily need her four or five because no, her arc her ended. Was over. <laughs> yeah, like it was just like you know, oh, it's it's great having Sydney here, but we we don't necessarily need Sydney here. Yeah, and I'm saying because like the the, the final image of uh, in Scream Three was just the perfect end to her character. You know, what I'm saying uh, I feel like you know they they feel like they need um, Sydney. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying like in in order to you know make the movie like pass for audiences because everybody's like, oh Sydney, Sydney, Sydney. And obviously when when come to find out when she's not gonna be in Scream Six, everybody's like, no, we're not gonna have Sydney. And I'm like, I know you as well. It's like uh it's fine. No, it's fine. Yeah. I don't what's well, just like my whole thing is like they the line in Scream Five when like uh I'm not gonna say I mean we I guess we spoiled uh, but whatever I'll wait till we get there at least. Um in Scream 5 when you like you can't have a bona fide Halloween without Jamie Lee. And I was like, that's bullshit, though. I was like, there's like, I mean, yes, my favorite Halloweens do have Jamie Lee Curtis in them. But, like, that doesn't, like, there are, like, four is, like, worthwhile without Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, five has serious problems. But it's still a fucking Halloween movie. Like, six is not, like, whatever. Still a Halloween movie. Like, the zombie ones. No Jamie Lee. Still, whatever. Like, it's like, so it's like, that's my whole thing. It's like, my whole thing with, like, these, where I was like, if you go for, because my, my, I, like, talked to you about this, where it's like, my whole thing was, um, legacy in general, was I'm just like, if they want to just, like, bring them in to, like, pass the torch and move on, that's fine. Um, but, like, I was like, if we did get Sydney back for Scream 6, I'd be like, what the fuck is the point of this? Like, I would just, like, literally, she has had, like, you know, I will give credit where it's due. In five, they did find a perfectly valid use for her. I do like her being like kind of like almost like the quint of the thing, where it's like she's at this point, just no bullshit, just like I'm coming to kill this motherfucker and that's it. Like it's like we're not playing games, we're not doing whatever. I'm coming with a gun and I'm going to fucking start blasting at just fucking anyone in my way. So it's like, but I was like, I don't feel like we need her. Just like I just I don't think that like anyone necessarily need to come back because I like five they establish a new groundwork so i was like move on and like that's because at the end of scream three that was the completed arc like she had an arc where it was like she starts off as this girl who like was 
definitely dealing with some shit. As a result of it, became even worse in terms of like because she starts off in a very bad place, she ends in an even worse place. Um, starts to at a pretty goddamn bad place, ends it at a pretty goddamn bad place, and three, she started at probably her worst place, and then by end of three, she is in a good place. Like that's literally the end of three. That image yeah. of her like walking into the house and like op- throwing open the gate. Um, and walking in with her dog um, to her friends and boyfriend. Um, and, like, that's leaving the door open, like, because she now has a life that she is happy and there's trust and whatever, the world is good. That was the end of that story. That was the whole thing. It's like, so it's like when they did four, it was like, we don't need her because she are like, why, why, why won't you punish this woman more? Like, I was just like, she literally, you gave her this perfect ending. You gave Gail and Dewey this perfect ending. And then it's like, no. <laughs> like, we can't have that. We need to, like, ruin that. And it's like, that's my whole thing. Is like, it's part of why I originally had issues with four, which we'll get to when we get there. But um, but no, because like, that's my whole thing. With, like, the re- a big part of the reason I think I've always had a soft spot for three is because it is a trilogy in the best sense where everything comes full circle and everything... All the characters are finally in better places than we have left them through the horrors they experienced throughout this fucking franchise. So it's like, it just, Scream 3 is kind of like this really cool, just full circle moment that you don't often, because even there's that moment in this movie where Randy's like talking about like the whole trilogy thing, and he's like, they are already in the horror genre, but they do happen. Um, And I was like, yeah, and it sucks that we didn't ultimately get because my only thing is I also do think you could have done a new trilogy of Scream without that original cast, and that would have been awesome. Yeah, like, I was like, because that was because I was like, the whole thing is the fact that they had to do was like uh, another like there was planned to be another trilogy. Yeah, uh, with like the same cast, I'm like then you defeated the purpose. Then you then you in fact have just you basically invalidate everything Randy said because the whole thing Randy is like at the beginning of it, he's just like this is another sequel, same rules apply because he's talking about basically the things he laid out in Scream 2. Whereas, like, if you're dealing with a trilogy, however, and then he like, lays out whatever, I was like, once you've made four and you've attached it to everything you've already done, that's not a trilogy anymore. Yeah. So like, you basically invalidated this movie, which always pissed me off. So that's another thing that I had an issue with Scream 4. But, like, whatever. We'll get, we'll get there. But, no, I think Scream 3 is rad. Like, I, like, I, do, I, I do think it's the weakest, but then we, I think we had both said more than once um, after Scream 6 came out and everybody was doing, or Scream 5 came out and everybody was doing their rankings, and there was this kind of like general tone about like Scream Three of like everybody kind of like shitting on Scream Three, and we're like, "There's no bad Scream movie. Like yeah. they're all good." <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, I I had to put that out there to remember, folks. There's no such thing as a bad Scream movie. Nope. Um, just not 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 at all. Um, there may be ones that you like more than others, but there's no such thing as a bad Scream movie. Um. But uh, this one seems to be the one that everyone chooses as like when when they're trying to make their argument that there's a bad screen movie. Uh, this is the one that they choose. Oh, and I've seen uh, people choose five as well. I would fuck those people up. <laughs> like, it's like that had no right being as rad as it was. Like, right, right like. Um, bef- this was before the trailer for six came out, where it was like, "Oh, I'm not interested in seeing that new one because the last one was so bad." And I'm just like, 
<sighs> I'm sick and tired of you people. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And then the the the, the trailer came out for six and it was like, everybody's like, oh, I want to see I want to see this one because this one looks meaner and grittier. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it, it really does. And shit. And uh, we're definitely going to be talking about that one. But um, yeah, that was like, yeah, uh, like Sarah, when she was just like, hey, you guys going to be doing a Scream 6 special? <laughs> and it was just like, obviously. <laughs> like, like, yeah. The, have you not listened to the first episode? <laughs> here? Our, our love for the Scream franchise on the whole. Um, yes. Yes, Sarah, we're, we're, we're going to be doing scream six we we're we're definitely going to be doing it (laughs) as immediately as humanly possible yes yeah yeah yeah. as 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 quickly as we can and shit we're definitely going to be doing scream six um but yeah i you know i i liked it when i first saw it a lot you know what i'm saying obviously um in it you know you know going forward and shit from from that first viewing um i realize it does have problems um it, it it i guess it focuses too much on the comedy uh especially like um why the fuck is jane silent bob in here okay i will say you you're not wrong here, but i do we... love that i do love it so much <laughs> it's just weird it's just weird no no it was cuz they were basically they were this like they were like at the time uh, Clerks, Mallrats, and Chasing Amy were the Jersey trilogy. It would be, I would be before they had done. I'm guessing uh, Dogma. I can't remember the timing of it. Um, it was about this well, time. Okay, so yeah. Um, so they were like, oh hey, like this is the like this is the Jersey. Like we get never people from trilogies. So, like we have like James and Bob. We have uh, Carrie Fisher. Like whatever. So it's like I get it, and I do love it because I love I love James and Bob. But like it definitely is weird that it's 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 in there. Yeah, it's just like they show up, and and they they refer to Gail as, as Connie fucking Chung. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like, oh god. Um, I mean, it, it's fine, whatever. Uh, you you also have uh, probably the most egregious thing problem. I mean, like I I would say the most egregious thing is uh, Roman as uh the the killer, but to also uh fucking that that awful wig they put on uh courtney cox that was a wig i thought it was uh, a wig is it i thought it was is, just terrible hair i could be wrong like if that's if that was her real hair and shit jesus christ i think it was i could be wrong I, I remember her being in friends around the same time and having similar but i could be wrong because some bangs like... yeah i know they're awful everybody knows they're like i actually do feel bad for her though because i think all the years since where everybody like makes that meme about this <laughs> it's just like I mean, Jesus Christ, the woman did a movie, like, fucking more than almost, like, 25 years ago. Like, let her the fuck alone. And, and as for, as, if, I, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think uh, Nev Campbell was also wearing a wig. Because she, I forgot which film she was doing around the same time she had to have streaks in her hair. Um, so they put a, a, a wig on her. I'm, I might be misremembering it and shit, but... Uh, I was like, if that's a wig that Nev Campbell was wearing, that's an amazing one and shit because they made it look like her actual hair. Um, what the fuck was it? Was it Drowning Mona? I have no idea. Like, what in the fucking movie she was doing? The only non screen movies I remember from Nev Campbell are The Craft and Wild Things. That's literally all I can tell you. <laughs> no, she was also in 54. I um, forgot that was a thing, but yes, I she probably was. <laughs> no, no, yeah, she is. I have she, no reason to not believe you. 
she 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 is. Um, I remember because I really wanted to see that movie when it came I out. Know. I know, and I know. I don't understand. <laughs> and, I, and I and I was banned from it. <laughs> yeah, it was like I it's like this is like it's very much like the Barton Fink in the Simpsons thing where you're just like like baby Rob, well I guess like teenage Rob, like Barton Fink, like fifty four, fifty four. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, no, no, you can't see that, um, because uh, I think that. Uh, my my parents were well aware of the reputation of yeah I was uh, gonna say they were in New York in the in the in the time <laughs> so, yeah, yeah just the Studio Fifty Four and shit and they were well aware of all the the drug uh, use that went on in that place and shit uh, you know besides other various things that went on in Studio Fifty Four it's like yeah we can't have you watching that and I'm like I know drugs are bad you know it's like <laughs> it's not like I'm all, all of a sudden like, yeah, I want to be a drug addict because it looks so cool in 54. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I want to be just like Mike Myers. I say Mike Myers' dramatic turn has made me a drug addict. <laughs> yes, give me all the drugs. I saw fucking Austin Powers doing drugs. I want to I want to do all the cocaine now. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 sit there. Let me watch all these fucking horror movies and shit. You have, you have trust in me there and shit, but I can't watch 54. You know what I'm saying that's that's the one that's going to ruin me. Not fucking like uh, like oh yeah, Rob, go ahead and watch fucking vampires. Go ahead and watch. I know what you did last summer. That's, we have no problem with that. But 54 is where we draw the line. <laughs> oh, we can't have any of that. Uh, our, our boy's going to be fucking doing orange sunshine by the end of the day. <laughs> Like yeah, like uh, uh, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think like I think it was drowning Mona that she was doing when she had to have streaks in her hair and shit, and and because of that, I think because she actually dyed her real hair for that, that she she was forced to wear a wig in a uh, Scream Three. I might be misremembering that because that 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 hair looks great on her. So um. Like whoever applied, if it is a wig, whoever applied it and shit is the greatest uh, wig person ever. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it looks really good. Um, but it, it it does not look good on a fucking Courtney Cox because those bangs are awful. I was like, them bangs should have been the killer and shit in the fucking movie. <laughs> them bangs are more dangerous than fucking Roman Bridger. <laughs> I mean, it's a very low bar, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. What is funny? I think it's funny about like the actual like um, motivations and stuff. Like I will say, um, as far as the motivations of the killer um, and everything, um, they were accidentally. It's kind of my thing with Scream Four, where it's like they were accidentally prescient um, because, like, it's funny. And that's actually kind of what makes I think this hold up really well is in the wake of especially the people when you find out about the people who made these scream movies initially uh <laughs> in the Weinsteins. Um because the whole um idea oh, yeah. that basically the whole reason that Roman exists, the reason that Roman's killing people is because um the producer that was played by Lance Henriksen um but is basically playing any sleazy Hollywood producer mm. um basically used up and spit out uh Maureen Prescott and then basically created uh essentially Ghostface. So basically like his machinations essentially created uh all of the horror that followed. Um mm. so in that respect, um it kind of does work for me that Roman is the killer. Um and I do like that idea. Um especially because again like at the time it didn't really it wasn't like something I really thought about. 
but like watching it now, like in the wake of everything that's like come out in recent years, it's like, holy fuck. Like this movie plays so much differently and so much better, like twenty something years later. Yeah, yeah. Fucking uh uh Harvey Weinstein is is producing a movie and shit that's basically like he's almost basically telling on himself with this yes. movie. But he was he was such a dumb fuck that he didn't even realize it. Well, I, think, I don't think he has any self awareness. Like, because I think he's, no. like, he was he was raping people for years, and like when it came out, he was just like, "What? No, of course not." And it was just like everyone, literally everyone, is telling you, "Like, what are you insane? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you?" I'm glad that you're in prison and getting probably fucked and raped yourself. Like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that dude. Fuck that dude all the way into the sun. Um. But like, I, yeah, I I de- definitely agree because uh, uh, I wanted to bring that up as well. Was this that? Um, I mean, Roman Bridger is essentially uh, out of the screen franchise. He is the elephant in the room um, because essentially he's. We find out he was the puppet master this whole time. Um, he's the one who revealed the affair with Maureen Prescott and Billy's father to Billy, causing Billy to kill. Marine Prescott. So every, this was all his fault. Um, like this, this whole thing going forward. Um, so I like that. I I like that idea. Like you know, he he gets everyone in one f- fair shot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, 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 the thing is, is that w- where they fuck up is like. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know if I agree with you. Like I I don't think he's bad. Like his performance as, as I don't think that he's bad per se. I just don't like. I the don't. Ca- is it the a character thing itself? I don't know. They're just like there's just something about him where I'm just like I don't buy it. Like it's just like, and it's not like in a good way. Where it's just like it's like because there are some people like for instance, and I and I and I that I've already mentioned my love for them. Um, the Stream Two Killers um, are so far over the top, but I love that. Like I think that that's amazing. Like I think that, that like adds like the kind of the operate operatic nature of that movie, mm-hmm. and this one. He's not like over the top enough or like real enough. He's just weirdly somewhere in this middle. And I'm just like, I don't understand. I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I don't like it. I can't tell you exactly why I don't like it. I just don't like it. Now, I, I see this is where the problem lies is that, and it also creates, you know, plot holes because it's like with the, the other screen movies, like, you know, they always have two killers. Um, this almost did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I think it also had more than one. Um, in Williamson's original version, you know, what well, I'm saying? Probably, it was, but yeah. in the, even in this version, it was just be um, I can't uh, remember her fucking name. <laughs> Angelina, uh, Angelina yes, okay. Tyler, uh, Emily okay. Mortimer was yes. supposed to be the second killer, but then they were just like, ah, no, we'll just make one killer, and they're like, yeah, but then you fucked it up because it's like, it it, it doesn't really hold any weight that there's one killer because it makes sense, um. It, with within the scream series that they're two killers and shit you know what i'm saying because then it's like yeah. and that's also the, the 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 fun of it you know what i'm saying because trying to guess like who killed who you know what i'm saying they, they, there's still argument on the first one like who exactly killed who was it billy or was it Stu? with it just one killer and it's like so he killed everybody you know what i'm saying and it's like it, it's unbelievable unless he's fucking like a superhuman killer and i know randy goes into that on his videotape and shit but no rome is just a man um, and he's just going around killing everybody and shit. And then it's just like, uh, like in scream logic, it doesn't really work to, to, to have one killer. Like, I honestly felt it should have been 
uh, Milton, uh, played by uh, Lance Henriksen, that he should have been the second killer. Because in my idea, it was been like since the he's father the father and the son, essentially. No, what it like? I, my idea was that like there's that, but also like you know since he's a producer, it's like oh this is you know great publicity. You know what I'm saying like my cast is getting murdered. Like he could use that to fucking you know what I'm saying to his advantage to to make like. Like the, the the highest grossing movie in the career of his fucking piece of shit studio and all that kind of thing. And I was like, I, I thought that would have worked, you know what I'm saying? But uh no, they just decided to go with Roman, the the puppet master. Um and I'm just like and like I like that, but then it's just like it, it creates holes in it where it's just like I, I just don't believe that he was by himself. You know what I'm saying? Like he could have pulled this off all by himself, you know what I'm saying? Like you know, he's been basically pulling the strings behind scenes and shit for this whole time. And then he just decides, eh, like, you know, I just become Ghostface myself. Like, he's basically Thanos. I was gonna say, I was like, I'll do it, <laughs> I'll do myself. it myself. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, but why? Like, like, why, why are we till now to fucking do it and shit? Like, you, like, you literally could have got Sydney at any time and shit, but you wait until she's in hiding to, to fucking, I mean, I guess that was the point, you know what I'm saying? He wanted to get Sydney out of hiding to, to, to fucking murder her. Um, but it's just like, eh, like that, that's, I think that's the biggest problem w- 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 that I have. And I think a lot of other people have too, is just that it just doesn't really work with Roman by himself. And then also, like, you know, as, as you eloquently put it, you know, what I'm saying Roman sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, the other thing is also, like, I really thought it was going to be Randy. And I, cause, like, I told, I've already told you, like, my whole theory is because like, you never actually see Randy die. Um, I'd always kind of assumed that, like, Randy was going to come back. Um, at this point, I've already kind of long since given up on it. But, um, like, I remember in three, I was just like, this is a time, because basically my whole thing is the end of Scream 1. There's that like tiny, tiny flash, like right before the credits, where you see like Ghostface, and it's like um, presumably in the school. I think it looks like, uh, but I was like, oh, so there's a third killer. Uh, that was always my my logic, and then like um, I was always like, it has to be one of the OGs. Like so that's why when they're doing Scream Three, I was like, it has to be Randy. Like that that makes sense. Like it has to be Randy. And then when it was Roman, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like I was just like, I like first of all, this guy sucks. Second of all, where the fuck is Randy? He's only the video. That's it. That's all I'm getting from the, what I I feel hornswoggled. This is bullshit. Um, that's also probably a part part of my hatred for Roman. I can't deny that. But like, I just yeah. I mean, it's just it's not even that it's like I think I don't know. It's just like there's just Scott Foley has no charisma is also a kind of a factor. So like. Yeah, Roman sucks. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't help. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I do like. See, that that's another thing. Is just that because there's one killer, like you know, through throughout the entirety of the franchise, with the exception of this one, you know, when both killers are revealed. I mean, because of the first one, you have to have someone who's, uh, basically, uh, methodical, like in in a in a very menacingly methodical. And then you have someone who's basically outright crazy, you know, a Billy and a Stu. And then they all, they, they all do that. They have a Billy and a Stu, a Billy and a Stu, and a Billy and a Stu. Like, you know, that that's that's the, you know, the way it goes. And essentially they have him doing both. He He's Billy and Stu. And it's just like, it, it, it doesn't work in that manner. Because like, you know, he's trying to be like, you know, like, uh, you know the the planner and shit. He's the, like like I said, he's the puppet master. You know what I'm saying? But he's also like fucking nuts. Like he like like he's stew. Like uh, when 
him and Sydney are arguing. Like, this is one of my favorite things about the movie. Um, when they're arguing at the end, when it's revealed to her that, you know, uh, he's her brother and shit. He's the one that basically fucking ruined her life. Mur- uh, you know, got her mother murdered and all this shit. Um, but he's like, stop! Shut up! I don't want to hear it! And she's like, I've heard all this shit before! It's like, fuck you! Fuck you! And it's just like, yeah, like, you just found out he's your brother and you're already fighting like siblings. <laughs> like, <laughs> immediately, immediately, like, this is when they're, they're the first time they ever meet uh, and, and they're immediately fighting like fucking siblings. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh yeah, they're definitely brother and sister. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look at them go. Uh, you know, although like they, they they really get down to it and shit. You know what I'm saying with their fight. Um, Roman's kicking her in the face with with, with his steel toe boots and all that shit. And I'm just like, yeah, like I I know Sidley is 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 a tough one and shit, but that 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 might actually have fucking hurt it and shit because. He yeeted that boot right into her fucking face. <laughs> I'm just like, she might have a concussion at the end of this. You know what I'm saying? But she's just, just like, hey, yeah, whatever. I mean, um, also, uh, I, want, I wanted to note that uh, Nev Campbell uh, has no precision. Because uh, this is the second time she's uh, injured her co-star by stabbing them. Because, <laughs> you know, in the first one... Yeah. Uh, when she goes to stab Billy with the umbrella, she missed a pad and uh, fucking actually, actually hit uh, Skeet Ulrich in the shoulder. So when he goes, oh, like, that's his real reaction. She also fucking accidentally uh, uh, stabbed uh, Scott Foley in the back because she also missed a pad when she stabs him in the back. Uh, and his reaction, ah, it's his real reaction. So it's like. Honey, um, you, you gotta you gotta aim precisely and shit because you're seriously hurting these people. <laughs> I, I love you, Nev and shit, and I don't want to see you go to jail and shit because you accidentally murdered somebody on screen <laughs> on Scream Seven when they when they they finally pay you the money you deserve and shit to come back for the the eventual Scream Seven. You know what I'm saying? I mean, to be fair, it's not just like her. I know that there's like the story of like um, I think it was the Punisher when like um, Tom Jane accidentally stabbed Kevin Nash and Kevin yeah. Nash was like eh. He's just like, hey, whatever. <laughs> like, he's just like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but fucking Kevin Nash is a brick shit house. <laughs> so he's just like, ah, hey, it's fine. Probably felt like a fucking, uh, like a like a like a thimble or some shit, like a needle and shit going into like, ah, eh, it's fine. Who cares? Um, oh, also on the set of the Punisher and shit, fucking uh, Rebecca Romaine ac- uh, actually sewed the fucking <laughs> yeah. the appliance and shit to Thomas Jane and shit. But he waited for her to finish his shit to be like, yeah, you, you kind of fucked me up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, Roman is a controversial figure. Um, if if you look at Ghostface rankings, I think you will always find him at the very bottom. Um, I like I I know like I know that there he has his fans. Out there. I don't think that he does. <laughs> like, I mean, but to be fair, I will say I have been surprised. Like in recent years, um, with like certain Ghostbusters in like the ones we we're gonna do, that I've been really surprised to see like their hive activate because oh, I'm just I know. like did not anticipate that, would not have called that. But okay, that's fine. Let's go with it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, he is he is the most controversial figure in the franchise. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think it was important that we touch upon that because it's like, uh, what are you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? It's like I I don't necessarily hate Roman as, as a character. Uh, I think it's just that it's just weird. 
know what yeah. I'm saying? Like when when you factor in all all the elements that make Roman a character, and it's just like, yeah, see, this is why you don't fucking uh, you don't go outside what Kevin Williamson had planned. <laughs> fucking Aaron Kruger. I mean, fuck- again. To be, I will say though, I mean, based on what Kim Williamson had planned, that wasn't going to happen anyway because of the Columbine bullshit. So, yeah. like, to be fair to Aaron Kruger, I had issues with Aaron Kruger's writing in general, but like, I'm not blaming him for that because that was a situation that he was just fucked. Like, it was just like, we're like, okay, so you know that whole thing that we have planned, we've had planned for like years now, we're not doing that. So, like, it's come with something new. Yeah. Um, it, it, like, I think I stated this before, but if you want to see what Kevin Williamson had planned, although highly altered it's uh his show the following which uh which was his original idea he just obviously altered it for to make it into a television series but you know essentially that's what he had planned in mind and like you know there's this cult of ghostface and i mean in trying to you know it hasn't come out yet and shit so we're just theorizing but it, like i feel like that's the the idea they may be using with six yeah, well, they're definitely doing. An, I feel like they're definitely doing an OG. Like, I, my, my whole thing is the second that I saw that, like the mask that like looks like kind of old. Yeah. I was like, so they're probably using an OG. I don't know if it's gonna be Stu. That's why I do think they're kind of painting this up in the corner with this because, like, at this point, if it's not Stu, there'd be a whole fucking group of people that'd be like really pissed off because, like, you didn't say it wasn't Stu and you let them get excited, <laughs> and now it's like, what the fuck. No, like, so, like, because here's the thing, like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a fucked up situation because, um, everybody's like, oh, it's Stu, it's Stu, it's got to be Stu, um, which I still then, think is weird because, like, yeah. that dude got, he was clearly dying before the TV got dropped on his head, and that was an old school like CRT TV, like that's like okay, just for an example, when I moved from my last place. I had an old school CRT TV that I had to cart out to like the recycling thing. And it was so heavy that I, who am a like, I'm 6'3", like 200, like 30 something pounds, whatever. I was carrying it and like thought I was going to die. Like just carrying it from my apartment, like from like my door to like the little thing across the way, which wasn't even that far away. I thought I was going to die. So like, even before, like, you factor in, like, the whole, like, getting the TV that's very heavy on his head, he was already dying from his injuries. Like, when you, like, show him, like, coughing up blood, and, like, like you cut me too deep, man. Like, I was like, I still think it's very unlikely that Stu is coming back. So, like, if he comes back, I'll be pleasantly surprised, because I love Matthew Lillard. But, like, I'm not holding my breath. No, yeah, um... Everybody's like, oh, it's Stu. Like, he had a fucking television dropped on his head. Oh, like, you could survive that. This motherfucker's head was flattened and fucking dropped dead Fred's. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it, like, his shit was pancaked. And, and it fucking broke. Um, so he probably had massive contusions in his face and shit. Like, fucking... Uh, and you could hear him getting electrocuted. <laughs> that man is all kinds of dead. Um, if if he if he does come back, I, I might ruin my fucking eyes, because it's just like, oh god, um, it, it it is it is what it is though. Um, I I I I, I seriously don't know. Um, I trust everybody involved because like, that's my whole thing with like Scream Five was I was just like, at, going into Scream Five, I had a lot of faith because I liked Radio Silence. So like the fact that like Radio Silence is doing, I'm like, yep, I'll let them. Like I I will I will trust them until there be a reason not to. So like. Whatever right. they do, I'm sure it'll be rad. 
No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust him. Um, uh, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I really like what they did with five, but you know, uh, we'll save that uh, when we get to that discussion. You know what I'm saying? But also, like, you have Kevin Williamson himself saying, like, you know, when they asked him, like, is it going to be Stu? It's like, Stu is dead. Um, but like, I, well, he but he says nothing. that, but it was his idea to do Scream 3 where he was going to be like the puppet master. So, like, he's probably, he's probably over it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, uh, that, that was that idea. It's over. He's dead. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's like you said, if, if they do bring Stu back, uh, I'm probably going to roll my eyes because it's just like, what the fuck, man? You know, uh, but it, it would be cool to see Matthew Lillard as Stu return. Or just see Matthew Lillard in general because it's like, you know, he's a national treasure. Yes. Um, but it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I just, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, when it when it comes to this movie, like like I said, uh, it's it's like it's it's that thing where it's just like where you're supportive, but you're also an apologist for it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like what people outright hate it. I was like, no, it's not that bad. And I was like, yeah, but what about this? And it's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my whole thing is that whenever like whenever I like this is a perfect example where it's like I will freely admit that like. I was like, whatever problems that you have, I will probably not disagree with you. <laughs> that does not mean that I don't like the movie, though. Like, it's just like, it's like, it's like, I love Suicide Squad. Many of the people, the things that people have said about Suicide Squad, I'm like, I don't disagree with you. I just don't care. Like, it's just like, so it's like, that's fine. Like, I was like, I completely get where you're coming from. I just, yeah. it just bypasses me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah, um, like I, I still like like I said, I still think there's a lot to like in it. Um uh I like uh seeing the the the, the scream opener with where they kill off cotton weary. Which I think it's funny is like I like I, I told you like when I when I got to the movies, like it was like I literally got there the second the opening scene started. Like literally we were walking in the theater the second that like they were showing like cotton weary in the car, and I was the most excited I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then like, uh, and you know it's gonna be this is gonna be the biggest scream ever because they open with the Hollywood sign, um, which is which is another thing I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, now that with uh we we were just talking about Scream Six and it's like when the trailer came out, like I, I saw people complaining about uh, the the New York location, yeah, and it's like oh it's gonna be weird that it's not set in Woodsboro and it's like you know there, there's there's a couple of Scream movies that are not set in Woodsboro, right? Uh, Scream 2 was not set in Woodsboro. Scream 3 was not set in Woodsboro. 4 and 5 are in shit, and, but 6 isn't. So it's like, half the Scream movies are not set in Woodsboro. What is your problem? <laughs> well, it's because people are fucking... Ugh, Jesus Christ. It's like... It, the, the thing is that, like... Um, it, it's also the lack... You mentioned like, lack of self-awareness before. I was like, I feel like a lot of fucking people... Like especially horror nerds, but even myopically like um, like scream fans, did not understand or track what Scream Five was talking about when it's like the whole motivation of the killers basically being toxic fans. Oh yeah, yeah. Just, just, I was like, the fact that they are equally fucking like, and they haven't. I I would get it if before the movie you were saying that the fact that after the movie you're still being this way. I'm like, 
So you just didn't track that this was about you. Like, I was just like, this is went right past you, huh? All right, okay, cool. <laughs> right, like the point just right over the fucking head. Yeah, like, like it's like, because in the end, yeah, it's like exactly what you said. That was my thing, too, is I was just like, it's like with the whole thing when people were like, Ghostface is using a gun. I'm like, Ghostface has always used a gun. It is a matter of like, he's still, go- they're, they're still Ghostface. I was going to say he, but there, there has been female Ghostfaces. Um, yeah. Whether or not they're in the costume. Like, you get that, right? Like, it's just a fucking Halloween costume. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, so it's like, whether or not they're using a gun with the mask on or not is not relevant. But again, it's like, this, there's this weird subset of people who are like, if you fuck with this thing that exists, that will never go away. If you in any way make something else in that same thing, and you change anything at all, then I'm pissed and I can't take it and it's upsetting. And I just don't understand that logic. But like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like when we were talking about the. Well, this was definitely off mic, but when I was talking about the, the people complaining about the lack of. Uh, Batman and Dark Knight Rises, and it's like you do realize he's Batman, whether he's in and out of the costume, right? Like he's still, it's not like Iron Man thing and shit where his fucking uh, he gets all his skills and shit from the suit. Uh, like he still retains all those skills as Batman. Uh, outside, outside of the suit, like you know, what I'm saying it doesn't fucking change. So it's like Ghostface using a gun in the suit. You know, what I'm saying it's just like, I mean, it's par for the course and shit because they always use guns. Oh yeah, but they're not in the in the Ghostface costume. And it's like, <sighs> yeah, I can't. I, I literally, I just, I just can't. I don't even engage. I'm like, okay, you you have fun. Well, I would say, I would say you have fun, but you don't know what fun is. So you you just have you you live your life. I'm just gonna be away from you. You you enjoy your misery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and enjoy the misery, you dense motherfuckers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's like. You know, you're you're just looking for a, a reason to be miserable now and shit. Because it's like, like I, I don't see what the problem is. Shit, you know what I'm saying? It's like, so what? So what? Like, um, as a matter of fact, oh wait, no, no, that's not true. Because I was about to make a point, and then it's like, no, because he does shoot her with the derringer. Uh, so it's like, is Roman the only one, only Ghostface to not use a gun? It's like, no, he shoots her with the derringer. So it's like, yeah. All, all, every ghost face has held a gun. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Does uh, which Culkin brother was it? In uh, uh Rory. It, Rory. Did did he hold one in a four? I honestly don't remember if he. I remember he had a knife. I don't remember if he had a gun. Um, but like I, well, my, my last thing is like, I was like in the end, just because all of them have. Like, I don't even. It's just it's weird. It's just I mean it's like my whole thing in general is just like, as long as you do a screen movie that feels like a screen movie i'm cool like because it's like my whole thing is like the whole thing in um like when mindy talks about like what a well she said stab movie but like literally like they're talking about screen movies where it's like a self-aware slasher who done it full stop it's like as long as you give me that we're cool like i was just like whatever you got to do within the confines of that as long as you can like make something that like feels like that. Cause it's like the thing is like all of the franchises have like a specific vibe, like whether mm. it be Halloween, whether it be Friday 13th, whether it be Nightmare on the Street, whether it be Scream, they all have very specific vibes. As long as you give me something within that vibe, we're cool. So yeah. it's like, I have no like issue until you've given me a reason to have an issue. Whereas there's, I feel like there's tons of people who are just like, they want to have an issue because they want the same thing over and over and over again. I'm like, just watch the movie that you like then. Like, who the fuck? Why do you care? Like, Jesus Christ, people are so fucking weird. But it's like, because that's my whole thing is like, 
the thing that like the the franchise also has done interestingly is it does keep bringing back characters like because that thing is like most of the like Friday Thirteenth don't bring back characters like Halloween sure um, but like um, like Friday Thirteenth not so much Nightmare on Elm Street sometimes like so it's like the fact that like screen movies you always had like kind of like they're basically giving you what you want every time. And then the fact that people aren't getting everything they want is so weird to me. But like that thing is like that this movie that I think is cool is it's like it's just, it, I don't know it's it's self aware enough that like it's playing with you in terms of like because I, I know like the whole thing with like um uh, David Arquette and I almost said the character names uh, Courtney Cox where they were like on the first one they were like on the first one we were friends on the second one we were sleeping together on the third one we were married on the fourth one we were divorced. Um, and it's like, um, but it's like still like it's cool to watch that kind of trajectory happen throughout the movies, yeah. and that's a part part of why I think I also enjoy Scream Three is like, the, despite its shortcomings, there's enough of the things that I do like within it that it still makes me happy and like gives me what like, it's like it still brings me joy to watch, even though yes, there are myriad things that I have a problem with, but like as a whole, I still enjoy it because it's still basically giving me what I want from a screen movie. Like it's still offering me that. And also I do think um, it is funny though. They went from making, I want to say I could be wrong mm, until maybe five, but I want to say scream Two. It was probably the bloodiest um, screen movie. I was just, I was literally just about to say that. <laughs> it's the most bloodless screen movie. in screen movie, movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally about to say that because I, I did want to bring up like yeah. the, uh, another big problem I have is is the lack of violence. I actually it. don't mind. It's kind of like it makes it stand out in a weird way where it's like it's because it's still Wes and Wes is still good. That like I yeah. don't I don't care. Like, I'm not like I, I I obviously okay of all people I fucking love blood and gore more than most. Like I love blood and gore a lot. But, like, if you can do stuff without it, like, John Carpenter did a lot without it in Halloween. And that's my favorite yeah. fucking horror movie ever. So it's like, if you can do something without it, I'm into it. And this is a pretty example where I'm just like, I do think Wes took the limitations of basically the one scenes being like, you can't go as hard. Um, and he made it still work. Like, because the only one yeah. kill that I think is kind of not <laughs> great is um, when they kill, um, is it Dion Richmond from Hatchet? Um, yeah. Is that his name? Okay. Yeah. Um, when they kill him and like he basically just, like they pulled the rug out and he breaks his neck, I was like, eh, all right. Like, I was just no, like, no, no, he doesn't break his neck. He he fall, definitely falls on his head, but then uh, uh, Roman, well, you could say Roman because he's the only killer in the fucking movie. Um, then picks him up and throws him out the window. He yeets him out the window. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't that. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, no, uh, Friday four style. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that was, that was pretty fucking lame. Like, yeah. He, like, like Roman basically is just like, like fucks him up to, to cover up the fact that uh, they, they can't do like anything really bloody. So it's like he's shoving him into glass and just like beating him up and shit. I always thought that the, the lamest one was fucking Jenny McCarthy. Cause he just like stabs her in the back and then throws her through the, the, the glass in the window and she just slumps over dead. I'm like, that was lame. Um, all the all, all these shits are lame. It's just lame. Everything is lame. Um, uh, like yeah, like I I for one have stated myself. Uh, I'm just like, I don't I don't need blood and gore to make you know 
like uh, a slasher movie what it is and shit. You know, as long as you're scary, you know what I'm saying? You give me entertaining characters. Um, I, I'm fine. Um, as, as, as I've stated, like, one, I'm a huge, huge fan of The Final Girls. And uh, that one's PG-13. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 the characters are incredibly entertaining. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, it's very well directed. So it's like, you know, the violence isn't a... You know, it's not necessary and shit. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like when, like, like, like you said it, shit. Like I was literally about to say that when, when you go from the bloodiest scream movie ever, when a dude literally gets pulled through his face, um, like, like right through his fucking eye, um, to to like just basically just like oh, like like every kill in here is like a. The, the the killer the sea captain and uh Jason takes Manhattan where Jason cuts his throat and you just see like a little spit of blood come out the 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 neck slit and it like barely trickles out and it's like yeah and then it's over and it's like that's every kill in this movie and it's, it's almost every kill in this movie and shit like he, like there's moments uh, where... well I will say cottons cottons is like that one that that one they go a little bit hard like in the original the, the opening scene kill they go a little bit hard. Yeah, because he's wearing a fucking white shirt. He's wearing he's wearing all white. I hope it wasn't after Labor Day. Uh, <laughs> like like I mean, but that makes sense for Cotton because Cotton has shown himself to be like a fucking egotistical prick. Yes. Um, uh, you know what I'm saying? As he's wearing all white, like fancy motherfucker. It's like fancy cousin. His name is Cotton. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> and, and I like the fact that his show is named 100 percent Cotton. Like. <laughs> You dickhead. <laughs> God, like, I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> like, because you sucked. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, he sucks with his big fucking uh, excursion fucking uh, truck. You know what I'm saying? His fucking multiple phones. He's got a cell phone and a car phone and all that shit. I mean, shit. to be fair, that that was a thing. Cause I remember um, the friend that brought us to the movie that I told you about, like, that almost... That we, okay, by all accounts, we should have died. The fact that we didn't die was a miracle. Um, but, um, his parents had, like, a big fucking, like, I think it was, like, an Explorer, um, like, a big fucking SUV where they had, like, a fucking car phone in it, but they also had cell phones. So, like, that was a thing at the time. If you're a rich person, you had an SUV, you had to have the, the portable phone, but also the phone that was built into the car itself. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, uh, Cotton, he's fancy cuz on the dead homies. Um... (laughs) Yeah, but uh, like it, it makes sense for Cotton, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, but uh, it, like, yeah, like, you know, his death looks bloody and shit because you know he's 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 wearing white. Um, and also, uh, he listens to Creed and shit, so it's like, yeah, that's a good reason. That's the thing I, I meant to comment on. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, this was the funniest time because I've realized this in watching this a lot of fucking movies recently. We like we done like '90s stuff. It's in like early 2000s. Was like. It's fucking hilarious to me that they were like, I don't know if it was a studio mandate or what the fuck it was, but it was like after The Crow sold like a shit ton of soundtracks, they were like, so going forward, not only are the soundtracks very important, we have to fit as many songs from the soundtrack into the film as possible. If you have to put music in every scene, even if it doesn't make sense, that's fine. We don't care. <laughs> like, just make it in the goddamn movie. No, like, yeah, like, especially fucking Miramax, like, they, they were the, the, the kings of doing that shit. Like, sometimes uh, fitting multiple songs into a scene, like... I uh uh how many movies did they do in shit where one rock song is playing and then it just for some reason just the scene transition like you know like just like a cut 
it just yeah. cuts to another song and yes. it's just like uh, okay okay now you just you know you you're just fucking around here and shit and the most <laughs> annoying thing is the best song in the screen 3 soundtrack uh is slipknot's wait and bleed which is not in the goddamn movie what the fuck but, but creed is yes twice <laughs> twice <laughs> like who was it that asked me and shit i think it was uh uh tj and shit on twitter it was like who the fuck who making scream like creed that much you know what i'm saying and i was like like uh, Cotton Weary did, you know what I'm saying? Because all Roman did is shit was push play and shit in the beginning, <laughs> and Creed started playing and shit. So obviously this motherfucker be in his office rocking up to Creed. I'm saying, but if we are being fair, if we're being fair, Cotton Weary is very much a Creed fan. Like, let's be honest. Oh yeah, that is a dude who likes Creed. Like, let's let's not fucking fight that. Right, right, right. But like, also and shit. Like, are they trying to imply that Sydney likes Creed? Because when they go into the set, like when she's like walking through the set, like of of her old house, um, she's going through like the set that's her old room, and there's a Creed poster on the wall. And I'm like, one thing, the only reason I know that's there is I know that the the record label that did the soundtrack, I remember this, got big off of Creed. So I'm guessing that was probably their thing, where they were like, there must be as much Creed memorabilia in there as humanly possible. Yeah, and I'm just like, how how dare you disrespect the Queen City <laughs> by, by by trying to make it look like she listens to Creed? How dare you? I'm no. 99% sure her poster in the first one was Indigo Girls, which is about as far from fucking Creed as you can get. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, how dare you? How dare you disrespect her in such a manner? You put Creed on her wall. <laughs> you you sons of bitches. No, that was that was Roman who did that. That was that was his revenge. That was his big revenge. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put her in this movie, make it look like she listens to Creed. Yeah, that that's that's my final revenge on my 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 Sid, my sister Sydney Prescott. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Everyone will look at this and like, ew, she listens to Creed. <laughs> oh, Roman. And I don't know why I remember this. I just wanted to mention it. Um, the other thing is the cops in this movie. I love that one is the star of Can't Buy Me Love. Um, which I love unapologetically. I am not being ironic. I truly love that film. And the other is fucking Raphael from Ninja Turtles. Like, that's literally Raphael, and it makes me so happy that the partners that are tracking Ghostface Roman are fucking Ronald fucking Miller and Raphael. That is fucking glorious. I just needed to mention that real quick. It, like, he, like, Raphael also has my favorite line in the movie. Uh, after Cotton is killed, it's like, oh, there's no reason to think that his death has something to do with a movie. Like, oh, he he was appearing in a movie called Stab. He was stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line in the yeah. entire goddamn movie. That's my favorite non-Randy line. Because I will say, the little bit where they bring back Randy is well worth price admission in and of itself. Because yeah. I still love Randy. I, I do think uh, Kel Williamson in recent years is wrong when he was like, I should never killed Randy. Like Randy should be legacy. And I was like, eh. I was like, don't think back on your choices that were good just because the character is awesome. Like, don't don't do that. Like, it's like, it's like I do love that character, and like the best scene in this movie to me is the Randy tape scene. But like, it's 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 fine. Like I was like, I don't necessarily need to have like the entire goddamn Scream cast back for Scream Five. Like it's fine. Like it's okay. Yeah. 
Nah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as as I've stated in our Scream 2 discussion, Randy deserved to die for fucking up the get away from her, you bitch line. Um, I still disagree, just for the record. I still disagree. Fucking film bro poser hack fraud, son of a bitch. (laughs) I'm laughing too hard to argue with you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Rob. Uh, Randy for life. Randy for life. <laughs> I like I like how uh DR Richmond is like uh you know saying like the the argument is that uh he's not he's not being a Randy substitute. It's like, oh no, you're playing Ricky who works in a video <laughs> store. <laughs> See then <laughs> yeah, that's actually one thing that bums me out is I do think also D. Richmond would have been like a much more of a highlight of the movie if they let him do more. Um, so I think yeah. the, the scenes yeah. that he's in are some of like I think that he is of the new characters by far the most interesting one and the most like entertaining one, and they give him the least to do. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely. Like it's funny too because Emily M- Mortimer has, I guess that's how you pronounce. I don't know if like you know. I think that's right. Yeah, um, she's gone on to be like you know well regarded actress and all that shit. And then of course you know Parker Posey. I think uh, Parker Posey is probably the one who stands out the best. You know what I'm saying? From well, yes, but that's that's unfair because like that's okay. Whatever. I know it's Parker Posey. I was like, whenever you put Parker Posey in anything, it's just like, of course she stands out because she's fucking Parker Posey. That's why I was like, I have to call out Dion Richmond because nobody talks about Dion Richmond. Yeah, Everybody yeah, no. Up. Posey. Parker Posey is amazing. Right, like, yeah, but, like, I, I agree with you, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, especially his shtick, you know what I'm saying, where it's just like, uh, oh, like, oh, if you're scared, just leave. And he's like, you think black actors could just turn down roles and big Hollywood productions like this, you know what I'm saying? Um, and he's right. Um, and it's like, yeah, like, Dion Richmond is always great at any time. Like, we talked about him when when we talked about Hatchet, and he was fucking great in that, you know? And he's Bud from The Cosby Show. <laughs> And, and you know what I'm saying, so it's like that's how everybody remembers him. But he's always fucking great, and it's like, yeah, they probably utilize him the least. And it's just like it's, it seems like they do that with the with the exception of Park Posey's uh, Jennifer Jolie. They do that with the other cast members, and it's just like, and it's like I could get it because that dude that's basically playing Dewey, yeah, has has no charisma whatsoever. Yeah, and which is what I'm saying. Like they give him all of this fucking like dialogue, and I was like, couldn't this have been Dean Richmond's dialogue? Like, I feel like he could have sold it so much better. <laughs> oh yeah, he he definitely could have. Um, and Emily Mortimer, and she, like I said, she's become a well-regarded actress, but she's not that great in the here. Oh, no. no, and um, and it doesn't even matter because she doesn't have much to do but be a red herring. Um, which is well, funny she wasn't too. Meant be- to be red herring, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. She she was meant to be an actual killer, and then at the last minute they were just like, yeah, maybe no, we'll just go with Roman by himself. And this is like, uh, fine, whatever. I mean, I think it was a stupid idea to make her the second killer anyway and shit. So I'm glad they, you know, jettisoned that shit. But it's like, I will they, say, they- I do think I do think it would have been interesting just by virtue of the fact that like, if you have the auteur director and his ingenue, uh star as the ghost faces that's kind of interesting yeah. um but the character wise i don't think it would have worked because neither of them are that good <laughs> but i do think the idea is interesting right 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 um i mean you also have jenny mccarthy there who's entertaining you know what i'm saying person i guess um 
yeah, mean, but, minus her anti-vax things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's how I was like, I was trying to like be be civil and diplomatic and shit. You know, same with in regards to her being a a fucking anti-vaxxer and shit. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like, like, yeah, she's like entertaining personality. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I I do. I never I never disliked her as an actor. I always thought she was funny. Yeah, she's just a piece of shit anti-vaxxer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So whatever. And um, but like she's she's fine in the movie and shit, but they get her the fuck out of there real quick. Um, so it's just like who cares? And it's I I think that's another big problem. It's just like you know a lot of the cast and shit, except for you know the big three, and um Parker Posey is just like who cares? You know what I'm saying? A lot of this is who cares? You know what I'm saying? And it's fucked up because like say you have Beyond Richmond there. We all know Emily Mortimer is is a fantastic actress. Um. Could he done more with Lance Henriksen? Yes. Um, and of course, because the great Lance Henriksen. Yes. Um, so it's just like, yeah, there, there was a lot against this. You know what I'm saying? It's not even going to put it against him because there was a lot against this movie and shit. You know, rewrites, uh, have to keep everything a secret, um, have to tone down the violence. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it was like you said earlier, like the, the fact that this movie is watchable at the very least is a miracle in of itself. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I still think it's a very good motion picture. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, oh, you know, also uh, the fact that it has that dead great cameo from the late great uh, Carrie Fisher. It's a, I was the one who, the, 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 the other actors, the one who slept with George Lucas. Um, and then, of course, uh, the introduction of Martha Meeks. Uh, yep. You know what I'm saying? Um, played by the great Heather Matazaro. I have no you... idea if that's correct. It might be. I have no uh, idea. That, that's how I've been pronouncing it for years and shit. So I'm hoping that's correct. Uh, apologies to uh, her if I'm mispronouncing it, but uh, she's always great. Um, and like, yeah, like we see her return in five, you know what I'm saying? So that was great too. Uh, but yeah, um, other than that, you know what I'm saying? I think the, the, is, is, there, is there anything else we have to say about Screen 3? No, I mean, it's just what I said. Like, I, I think that, like, it's unfairly kind of maligned, even yeah. though, to me, it is the weakest. Like, I was like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to argue, because like, it's not like an apology thing. It's just, like, I'm not, like, I'm not going to argue that anyone having issues with it is wrong. I just, I still think it's rad. Like, I was just like, just because it's the weakest one, it's the weakest one in a franchise that is almost unimpeachably good. So, like... I don't care, <laughs> like personally. No, like it's the same thing. It's it's essentially like the first three screen movies are essentially comparable to the original Star Wars trilogy. It was like it's like like you know everybody's like uh, the Return of the Jedi is the weakest, and it's like yeah, but it's still uh, the the part of the original trilogy, and that's glorious all three yeah, like, uh, like back to the future like back to the future three is the weakest it's still cool <laughs> like i still enjoy it i disagree that's fine i just i don't know i i still like i still like it uh the, 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 if, if you don't know two is is in my opinion the weakest of the back to the future trilogy oh i'm not saying it's not the weakest i'm definitely saying it's the weakest it is by far the weakest i'm just saying it's i still enjoy it no nah, fair um but yeah it's like it's it's the, the the weakest of the original trilogy, but it's the weakest of the 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 Scream trilogy, the Maureen Prescott trilogy, the Maureen Prescott saga, and like I said, there is no such thing as a bad Scream movie. 
So even the weakest is still a really good film. All right. And now it is time for my pick. Well, <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest. This is uh, really Patrick's pick. He, he's the one who convinced me. To, to I do offered it. to let you have Scream 3 so that you wouldn't have to say it was yours. I offered, goddammit. No, no, no. I don't mind saying it's mine because I love this fucking movie. It's just, it's, you know, uh, what Patrick... Like, because here's the thing. Because we were trying to find for the longest what to pair uh, Scream so 3 with. With all of them. Like, it was, yeah. it was like, yeah, so... Yeah, um, like, and his his idea was a lot better than mine because mine was... Howling Three, the marsupials. One second. Yeah, it was Howling Three, the marsupials, and uh, that that's obviously a choice. <laughs> but uh, I was like, yeah, that that's all I got. And Patrick was like, no, no, I got an idea. That how about we pair it with. Doctor Sleep. And then I was like, it's been a while since I've seen it. So remind me what the fuck are the monsters in Doctor Sleep? And then you said, like, you know, the true knot are vampires, just a different kind of vampire. And I was like, okay, that, tra let, that tracks. Let's do it. Because um, obviously, uh, I, I love, how could you not love Doctor Sleep? Doctor Sleep is a fantastic movie. Unless you're Morgan, apparently. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she said she said it was a fantastic movie she just has her issues with it by the way hi morgan, hi, morgan. um it's uh she said she said it was a fantastic movie because we me and her were talking about it last night but she said it was fantastic she just has her issues with it particularly the ending uh which we will get into but um you and me have talked about this before where mike flanagan did the impossible with this movie where is that because The Shining is a beloved pop culture thing, whether in uh, literary form or cinematic form. And both uh, forms have their fans and who are just. I truly love both. I mean, honestly. Like, I, I really, I, I think um, the best way I can like put it is like King's book has a lot of like texture to it. Yeah. Um, Whereas, like, so it's almost like a fucking, like, it's like Rambo's knife. Like, that's serrated, like, whatever. And then, like, um, Stanley Kubrick made, like, a broadsword. Like, just, like, it's just purely, like, just everything off, just perfectly sleek. And, like, it just, it's its its own thing. But they both separately work for me. Yeah. It, it was like I was telling you. It's just, like, they're, they're literally two different things. Um, even though, you know they have that connection um they're two different things whereas the book is a story about a man who loves his family you know but he's 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 fighting these demons the movie is about a man who hates his family and succumbs to his demons willingly um and you de you definitely have rabid fans of both who hate each other <laughs> i i have met both um it's like you know rabbit fans of the book who hate the movie and rabbit fans of the movie hate the book i mean uh, i mean i don't know essentially they hate the book it's just that they prefer greatly prefer the movie and what uh kubrick did um 
But Flanagan did the impossible in which he made a sequel to The Shining while also uh, adapting what, in Patrick's words, is a wildly mediocre book. Um, I have not read it, so I'm just going to take his word for it. Um, and well, I like, told you before we even started recording. Like, I mean, there are people that I be me saying it's wildly mediocre is actually more charitable than one people than some people say. Because like, uh, my tattoo artist husband originally wouldn't watch the movie because his exact words were that book sucked. And I was just like, I do not disagree entirely, but I'm telling you the movie is way better. Like, I'm just telling you right now. Like, you you will you would enjoy the movie if you watched it. And then he he did. He was like, yeah, that was awesome. I was like, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um. But also, he incorporated elements from uh, the original Shining book that uh, Stanley Kubrick um, didn't use and made, like, a whole complete package where it's, uh, you know, adaptation of this book. But it's also kind of the Shining in itself. Yeah. um, To to make a whole complete package. And where it's, like, I say it's impossible because... This is a a movie that seemed to please everybody in concern, like, you know, in that whole uh, Shining fandom, where it's just like, even Stephen King, you know what I'm saying, was like, nah, this is good, bro. Like, you did good. You did good. Yeah, that I mean, is... he, it's funny, because he actually he even went against what Stephen King, I guess Stephen King's whole thing was he had, like, specific things where he was like, the Overlook we're not using, like, blah, blah. And then, like, uh, to the studio, and then I guess Mike Flanagan wrote the script. Because like, the thing I and I, I mean, I said it to Sarah the night we saw it. We saw it opening night, and I was like, he basically took what worked about the Shining book, what worked about the Shining movie, what worked about the Doctor Sleep book, and managed to fuse them all. Like he like brundlefly them all into one perfect yeah. package. Like I was yeah. just like I was genuinely shocked at how he was able to make that all work. And I feel like that's the thing is like, because that was the whole thing is I guess he sent the script to King and um, King was like uh, going off to Joe Hill's wedding, I guess. I was just like, oh, I read the first half of the script and read the rest and I get back. I really like it so far. And Flanagan's like, in my head, I'm thinking, I know that if he has any issues, they're all going to be in the second half. But I'm like, okay, I guess I'll see you when you get back. <laughs> it was just like, but it's like, I guess King did read it. It was just like, it gave him everything that he wanted from the movie, essentially, like the, like the Doctor Sleep movie and the Shining movie, kind of in one thing. And I was just like, that's the thing that's, that's most impressive is you managed to turn King, who has been a vocal proponent of how much he hates the movie for literal decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, like this is this is why I say I trust Mike Flanagan with my life, because um, the man simply did what nobody thought could be done as make uh well um as far as artistically a successful sequel to the shining because commercially um it i mean it made money yeah not a lot but i I mean probably at this point with like um i am assuming probably with like streaming rights and like blu-ray sales it probably has made its money back but yeah like it definitely was not commercially because they they were projecting it was going to make like and it ended up making like half what they anticipated it was gonna make. Yeah, like they did. They thought it was gonna do uh, it numbers. Yeah, and it did not. Yeah, and uh, that uh, that 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 brings me sadness because uh, this movie deserved to be uh, uh, a monster hit. 
because it is an outright masterpiece, in my opinion. No, it definitely uh, is. The only thing is, I, I do get it now. I didn't get it at the time, but I figured it out later. Where I was like, the main problem is that it actually occurred to me after the fact was I was just like, oh, yeah, Gen Z probably doesn't care about The Shining. Like, I was just like, like, millennials, yes. Gen X, yes. I was like, I don't think that, like, Gen Z kids give a fuck about The Shining. So, like, that's probably why it didn't do super well. But I think it probably will over time, especially like, when people find, because like, like, if you're a Flanagan fan, based on like his Netflix stuff or like stuff like that, I feel like when you eventually come to this, like if you were like, let's say like you were like, uh, like a teenager watching Haunting of Hill House, Blind Manor, Midnight Mass, and you were like, I want more from this guy, and you find Dr. Sleep, I feel like you'll be very satisfied with it. Right, right. And like, they were promoting it heavily off the back of The Shining. Yeah. And, uh, it was just like, yeah, this uh, that didn't work. <laughs> like you said, like most people don't don't know The Shining, um, uh, and it was just like it's it's sad. Like they 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 literally should have went with that, like from the director of The Haunting of Hill House. But like I guess they didn't want to use uh, promote it off the back of like uh, another company's uh thing. Um, and it was like, oh yeah, fucking Shining is a masterpiece, so we're promoting that. And it's like, yeah, but you know, like we know The Shining, we grew up with The Shining and shit. You know, what I'm saying today's audiences and like, what the fuck is that? Oh, this movie's fucking boring. Uh, this movie sucks. You know, what I'm saying like, yeah, that's who you were promoting this movie to. People who think The Shining sucks. And it's just like, I mean, I don't it, know if they think it sucks. I don't think they haven't. Like, they probably just haven't seen it. Cause I remember that was the whole thing. There was a thing that blew up. I want to say it was last year, the year before. Um, where randomly one day, um, one weekend, uh, Adam Green's Frozen blew up, blew the fuck up. Like, it was the biggest thing on Hulu. And, like, the reason was because there was people that were posting, like, clips of it, basically the entire movie, essentially, on TikTok. And, like, these kids were seeing this, um, these TikToks and were like, holy fuck, I have to see this movie. So it's like, that's the thing is, like, I feel like that the audience might like the shining they just don't know it exists like they, they've never like it just didn't it's just not part of their pop culture purview yeah 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 and you know you know the, the reason I, I, I said that was because like i i could imagine like uh people online like you know uh gen zers being like uh, hey like recommend me a scary movie and then you have a bunch of people who like oh the shining and then they go see the shining and like this shit is fucking boring you know what I'm saying? Uh, and just, like, you know, that will just not going to be, like, oh, this is a sequel to that? Like, yeah, I don't want to see that, cause that first one was fucking terrible. It was fucking boring. Nothing happened. Um, and it's just like, yeah, you know, I disagree, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm I'm from a different timeline. Um, and this timeline sucks. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I, I fucking love Dr. Sleep. Uh, like I said, I think it's a masterpiece. You know what I'm saying? It's um, just a fine, incredible piece of cinema and shit. You know what I'm saying? Mike Flanagan is is an amazing filmmaker. You know what I'm saying? This like that's why I say like he wants to do this King property, and he wants to do that King property. I'm like let him do all the King properties. Oh fuck yeah! That's a, my my whole thing with like um he finally I guess has the rights to Dark Tower, which I really hope happens because my my, my whole thing when they were trying to make. Uh, the Dark Tower movie that they were trying to make, and actually they were like doing it with Ron Howard and everything, was I was just like, and then the movie we eventually got, uh, I was like, 
honestly, if anybody should do it, it should be either Frank Darabont or Mike Flanagan. I was like, those are the only two people that I would trust with it. Yeah, like, those are the only two people that really, I think, in this time, get the Stephen King. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's just like, just, just, just let Flanagan, if he says he wants to do a King uh, movie, just, just let him. Just, just let him do it. Plus, he managed to like crack the code with Gerald's game because that was the whole thing. Is like Gerald's game, nobody thought, everybody thought it was unfilmable, and then like he did it. So it's like that's my whole thing. I've been a fan of his since uh, Oculus. So like I, I even watched Ouija Origins of Evil. I have never seen the original Ouija. Uh, I've only seen Origins of Evil because I, when they first said they were doing Ouija, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And then um, they were doing Ouija Origins of Village Evil, and I was like, I don't give a fuck. They were like, Mike Flanagan did it. I'm like, oh, God damn it, fine. And I ended up buying it because I really liked it. Because I, I don't think Flanagan, at least so far, that man has not missed. Like, that dude literally could only make masterpieces. He'd only hit home runs. So even things that, like, I think aren't, like, his best work, I think are still fucking great. <laughs> No, here's the thing. I, I have seen Ouija, but I saw Origin of Evil first, and I really, really fucking liked it. That was actually because I didn't, I hadn't seen Oculus yet. Um, I did see Origin of Evil, and I was like, oh my god, this is fucking amazing. This is this is great. Uh, um, I wonder what happened in the previous film, uh, in, in Ouija and shit. I should check it out, like you know, to see the story. And uh, that was a fucking mistake. <laughs> Because that movie fucking sucks. Um, it sucks really fucking bad. And that's how great uh, Flanagan is as a, as a filmmaker. Because he can make you seek out a movie that fucking sucks. And make you want to watch it. Because uh, just having his connection to it is just like... And it's just like... It's, it's such a... It's, it's so wild. It's such a wild like trajectory. Because it's like... You know... You go from this sad piece of shit little movie... And then you just get this fucking wildly just superior film and shit. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, it, it, you know, it's like he, he just like, okay, like I'll, I'll do this. And then he just like made something magical out of it. Like well, just it completely. Sleep. Like after sleep, he took a book that was wildly mediocre and managed to make one of the best horror movies in decades with it. Like he managed to live up to Stanley fucking Kubrick. Like, that is a fucking high goddamn bar. And he fucking hit that goddamn bar. So, like, Mike Flanagan, holy shit. Like, he, I feel like he's still underrated. Because it's like, I, I don't even know why. Because he, like, the dude does not miss. No, 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 he doesn't. Like, he's definitely up in uh, the level of, like, we were saying about uh, Jordan Peele. Um, yeah. Jordan Peele doesn't miss. Um, and Mike Flanagan doesn't miss. Um... I know I know people uh, have uh, dunked on a not not like really bad, but like um, say like Bly Manor is 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 mediocre in comparison to Hill House, and I and and I think that's because he didn't direct every episode of uh, Bly Manor. I think well, he only directed what like two episodes of Bly Manor, and then like well, other directors. Yeah, I mean to be fair though, my whole thing with like I remember when when Hill House first came out, um, I even I want to say I said to Sarah, I was just like, how did he not die? Like, I was just like, because I was like, the way the directing movies works is, by all accounts, fucking brutal. That dude essentially directed, like, an entire trilogy back-to-back in terms of the amount of time in that thing, like, the, the amount of episodes. I was like, how does that dude still alive? And, like, and in, on top of that, the episode of Hell House where, like, that's the, all the one take. 
Where oh, I yeah. Just, like, I was just like, how the fuck is he still alive? Like, it's like the fact that, that dude is still alive is amazing because, like, the amount of work he put on himself. And ultimately, that's a fucking masterpiece of a season of a television. Like, that is one of the best horror stories in any medium in the last several years. Like, that, that alone. But that's, that's, like, I do think Bly Manor is good. I'm, I'm not going to say it's as good, but it's like, I don't necessarily blame Flanagan, not directly. Because I was like, also, I was just like, he might die if he tries to do that again. Like, I was just like, let him just fucking direct a pilot and let him move the fuck on with his life. Like, I, Jesus Christ. I mean, but he he did. Did, did. did he not direct every episode of Midnight Mass? I think he did. But again, I'm, I'm genuinely shocked he's still alive. <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, also, uh, what about Midnight Club? No, that one he only did a, uh, the, the pilot. I think the maybe the last one, but he only did like a handful of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was, yeah. He, he was just show running it. Yeah. But um, like yeah, Mike Flanagan is is one of our great auteurs of horror. Um, Tim Jordan Peele. Who else am I missing? Um, I mean, there's lots. There's I mean, the Ari Aster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Robert Eggers. Yeah. I mean, like, you can go on and on. I mean, like there's there's tons currently. Yeah, but I think Radio uh, Silence. Yeah, but I think like when it comes like just the highest level of quality, like working in horror, there's as far as now is Jordan Peele. And him, and uh, GDT. Um, as far as like you know, saying just producing the highest level quality and 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 horror at the moment, um, is those three is 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 who are the the three that are coming to mind and shit, like just three individuals who like do not miss absolutely, you know, whenever whenever they come out with a project and shit, it's just you know you're getting high quality work. And it's just like, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, this fucking movie is like, like I said, it's a masterpiece and shit. But um, what, like, yeah, like, like, let's go with you. What, are, what are your thoughts on uh, Doctor Sleep as as a film in itself? You know what I'm saying? Because we've been talking all this time about like, you know, exactly what he did with it. But uh, what are your thoughts on the movie uh, on itself? You know what I'm saying as a, as a film? No, I think it's actually like the thing is, it's funny is like um. I do think, because I said, like, I don't really like the book that much, um, and I do really like the Shining book, um, so, like, I do think the whole thing that, like, Flanagan did is really impressive, because, like, he managed to make what, because as you've said, like, the, there's, I mean, there's definitely, like, a kind of a, because the, the whole idea of, like, the whole, the Shining story is basically about addiction and like kind of the demons of addiction, yeah. and then uh, Dr. Sleep is essentially about recovery, um, and so, like, I do think in that respect, he pulls it off brilliantly because it's like kind of like the rebirth of re- recovery. Because it's like the whole thing of the movie is basically about Dan Torrance's arc, and I think his arc is exponentially more interesting than they let. Because, um, as, as you said, like, the, the, they basically changed the core of the character in the story in um, the movie, so definitely it's not completely a fair comparison. But like in the original Shining movie, where like basically it's kind of like it's less an arc and more like it's kind of Jack's descent into madness. Yeah. Whereas um, this Doctor Sleep, um, between Flanagan and Ewan McGregor, um, do this really beautiful thing of where he starts off essentially kind of in the place that um, Jack was when, well, I guess right before you started The Shining and kind of where he ends up in The Shining, although to like a lesser extent. Um, but of kind of being in the depths and like the throes of addiction and like a destroying of his life. And then like slowly kind of climbs out of that hole. That's why I still love that scene where um, he's at the AA meeting. They show the flash forward in time 
and it's like eight years later yeah and um he's holding the chip and he's talking about his dad um and he's like this is for jack torrance and that's my whole thing is like i do think that's thing that's really, really beautiful about the movie is the whole movie is basically about dan who experienced like, the worst possible thing that could possibly happen to anybody when he was a kid um a climbing out of that hole but also at the same time helping basically somebody who's like around the same age that he was when he was experiencing this mm -hmm. uh helping her come to terms with what is happening in her life and kind of bring it full circle so in the end like even though the end of the story is like his death it's not the end because obviously they show that he because the whole shining thing, especially that they, they, you don't die, you just go on. Just most people are unaware of it. Yeah. Um, but um, but it's just like the ultimately, it's just a, it becomes a really beautiful story about like I mean, because that was just to say it's not fucked up and scary because to this day, um, the one of the most fucked up scenes <laughs> probably in definitely in horror like of the last several years, but probably in horror history is that poor baseball bastard getting yeah. <laughs> murdered the fucking uh, random abandoned lot. That was some, that's some fucked up shit. I mean, granted, that's mostly how good Jacob Tremblay is, but like in general, it's also uh, speaking to how good um, Flanagan is a director in the way he shot it. Um, and the amount of like blood and, oh God, that scene is so, puts to the chill up my spine. Um, yeah, the, especially with the actors too, because uh, yeah. I know uh, um, Rebecca Ferguson and the, the rest of the, the, the cast member who played the True Knot said they were greatly disturbed just because Tremblay was so good and shit um, that they had to just walk off and shit because they were just greatly disturbed by what they were doing. And Flanagan said that uh, that scene was the most uh, difficult scene he ever had to shoot in his career. And uh, Tremblay was actually incredibly proud of that. Said like when he saw like everybody was just like, oh my God, what did we just do? Like he high-fived his dad. Like, yeah, I got, I fucking scared the shit out of him, dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I rule. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, that that scene is, yeah, because, you know, I mean, Tremblay is one of our most gifted child actors. Well, he's not a child anymore. I think he's 16. I mean, he's still a child, but yes. <laughs> I mean, he's a teenager at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he's so fucking good in that scene, and, and which makes it more disturbing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? With the fact that they're tearing this poor kid apart. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like wow! I remember the first time I was watching. I was just like, like it's it's like they don't they're not showing anything incredibly graphic, yeah. but you still you still want to look away. And I'm like, oh man, this sucks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I do really like that take on vampires because like that thing is like um, Stephen King has done traditional vampires, obviously, um, in other stuff, but in this case, um, the whole thing of doing vampires where it's basically like feeding off Shining. Uh, as like the steam um, and like the way that they go about getting that in many cases, it's all actually the thing about the movie. I think is actually I meant to say is um, also I think it's really interesting to watch the juxtaposition. It's actually it's more I feel like it's more clear in the director's cut than it is in the theatrical cut, but it's definitely yeah. there in both of um, kind of this like the kind of the good guy family and the bad guy family because yeah. um, they make the true not sympathetic to some extent like they you do kind of empathize with them sympathize with them to some extent because they do feel like a family that's kind of like it's almost like um if you've ever seen uh running an empty with river phoenix uh seeing the movie um they're kind of like this group of like vampires that are like 
they're getting to the end of the fucking road. Like, it's just like, like things are kind of, they, they can tell that the world's kind of drying out and they're not going to be able to do this for much longer. They're already losing some of their people. And so like, there's like this weird sympathetic quality to them. Whereas um, it's kind of almost juxtaposed with um, the whole group where it's like, you have like Billy and Dan and Abra um, where it's like their own kind of like family unit of like the kind of the good guys. But like, so it's like when they're doing these scenes where like people are dying, like yes, you have sides in your head that you have picked, but because Flanning is such an interesting filmmaker, um, it's kind of left up to you how you feel about who is dying and in that given scene. It's not like it's he's not making that choice for you. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that that, that, that that adds a lot of texture to it. I also think it's really cool. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did, did this film? also um is really important to me because uh it also helped me come to terms with my own battle with alcoholism um as you know uh i've, I've stated this on the show uh before at, uh, but my mother passed last year after uh, a two-year battle with cancer she was diagnosed in may of 2020 she passed in june of last year um and that uh is where I mean, also coupled with uh, us, us dealing with this pandemic uh, caused me to uh, hit the bottle pretty hard. Um, uh, really, it's pretty fucking hard. Um, and it's just like watching a movie, like, you know, like his battle with alcoholism. And he tries, like, particularly the scene where he's finally able to um, confront Jack, who's yeah. now the bartender. Um and it's like it's such a hard scene to watch too, because you know, as we as you mentioned, you know that scene earlier where he's eight years sober, and you know, what I'm saying he basically dedicates his his speech to his father. You know, what I'm saying like you know, like the fact that he wished he could have been up here, like you know, in the same space. You know, what I'm saying clean, uh, clean and sober. And then he he finally gets to talk to Jack again, and that's when he realizes that my father always hated me. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, you know, like, the the Overlook has is completely is has control over Jack at this point and has for years. Um, so it's like he's trying to, you know, make him remember, like, you know, that uh, I'm your son, you're my father and shit. You know, he's telling him about Wendy, you know, saying what happened. Um, and then, like, Jack emerges and basically gives that speech about, like, you know, how much he loves booze. Um, and then he realizes, oh shit, you know, my father really just hated me. You know what I'm saying? My, my father, like, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's like, I, I love that whole scene, you know what I'm saying? Where, like, he goes about, like, how, like, alcohol is medicine. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I love it, like, you know what I'm saying? Where he's just like, what's it? A man tries, he provides. But surrounded by mouths that eat and scream and cry and nag. So he asked for one thing, just one thing for him to warm him up, to take the sting out of those days and the mouths eating and eating everything he makes, everything he has, a family, a wife, a kid. Those mouths eat time, date your days, just gobble them up. It's enough to make a man sick. And this is the medicine. So tell me, pup, are you going to take your medicine? And then it's where it's like Dan finally able to separate himself from that with just that one statement. 
I'm not. You know what I'm saying? That he's 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 not going to drink, and that's such a powerful fucking moment. And it's just like a lot of credit due is, is, is we should say is due to, to how good this movie is to Ewan McGregor. Oh yeah, yeah. You you he's always been one of my favorite actors. Like I I've stated that you could tell how good Ewan McGregor is as an actor by just watching the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. Because um I mean it's noted that uh George Lucas is not doesn't seem to be a big fan of actors um and like that there's always been a big problem with him like you know going all the way back to the original trilogy where it's just like i don't think he's not a fan is that he just i don't think he understands like like, i don't think think he knows how to direct actors like that's the whole thing is like he even he has said like with the whole hayden christensen thing where he's like he's had more than one occasion where he's like He's like God, poor Hayden. It's like it wasn't Hayden's fault. I just didn't direct him properly. Like I, no, I don't think it, I don't think it's that he knows how to direct actors. I just think he has no interest in directing actors. Like you know, you know what to do. Like do this, and you know, what I'm saying it was just like Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher was just like almost begging him to direct them. Yeah. Like I remember that one clip uh, from like a behind the scenes from the original Star Wars. Where, uh, did like he's shooting them running out of car, and then he goes cut, and they're like, and, and, and like all three of them, and you know what I'm saying? Like you know, and he's just like, eh, you know what I'm saying? It's like he he has no interest in actors. Um, Ron Howard revealed basically revealed that too because when they did American Graffiti, Ron Howard you know, uh, stated that you know even back then like he had wanted to go into directing, and he he was asking. George Lucas for advice on that. And um uh George Lucas was like, Oh, just go into animation. Like it's it's much easier. You don't have to worry about any actors and all that stuff. You could just, you know. And he was like, Yeah, this is this is me talking to to my director who's basically saying, Sorry, I have to work with you. you know what <laughs> <laughs> so and like that that's why I said those those prequel trilogies, the that prequel trilogy is a testament to how good an actor Ewan McGregor is because you have a director who's like that. And he's still the best actor and gives the best performances of all three movies. Like, just like in Revenge of the Sith, where uh, Hayden Christensen, you know what I'm saying, who's, who's a fine gentleman probably. Um, and I've seen him in other stuff and, and you know, I enjoyed his work in other films, but uh, he is not good in those movies. Um, and particularly in Revenge of the Sith. I uh, can't like, argue with you, but I will say, I mean, to be completely fair, like, I wouldn't say he's that much worse than like Mark Hamill in a lot of ways. Cause I think Mark Hamill is like, he, he's become a great actor, but like when he started out in star Wars, he was not the best fucking actor. No, that's what I've always saying. That's the, the, I've been saying for the longest, but I always get pushed. I'm like, how dare you say that about Mark Hamill? And I'm like, look, I love Mark Hamill, but Mark Hamill in the original star Wars is not good. No, not nah, he, he like, but like that's, that, that's, I think that's more to George Lucas because if you look at Mark Hamill in, empire and return he's a lot better because he actually has a a director who knows or who cares about directing actors in there um but hayden christensen and revenge of the sith where he's like you turn her against me and then you have mcgregor making an effort you have done that yourself you know what i'm saying and like like they're being directed by the same person, but they're giving two different levels of performance here, where one is just like, uh, and the other one is actually giving gravitas, you know what I'm saying, to, to to his performance, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, 
Yeah, that's how great an actor Ewan McGregor is, where he just worked with a guy who just does not care about working with actors and still give top quality performance. I'm like, God, like, even Natalie Portman is kind of bad in those movies. Yeah, even Sam Jackson isn't great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, Ewan McGregor is the only one in shit that fucking comes out of that, uh, that shit clean. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Because because he's just fucking great and he's marvelous in this in this fucking movie. Like especially in that scene, the the the, the bar scene is my favorite scene in the movie, and in my opinion, the best scene in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like he has this view of his father and shit. You know what I'm saying? Because he's thinking, oh, the Overlook did this to my father. This 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 evil uh place turned my father and evil. You know, tried to get him to murder me and my mother. Then he realizes, oh, he willingly gave himself over to this place because he hated us. You know what I'm saying? He hated us so much that he allowed this evil to take him over because he just wanted to continue going on drinking and partying. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's like because people are still confused about what that final shot in The Shining means, you know, with Jack and the picture of the party. And it's like, well, that's what he wanted. He, he's in this party forever. Because that's exactly what he wanted. He just wanted to go on forever. He don't want to have to worry about Wendy or Danny. He just wants to go continue on drinking. That's that's his thing. You know what I'm saying? He's basically, you know, it's it's him succumbing to the bottle. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the and, one thing I will say is the overlook in the book and in the movie, like this in this movie to some extent, not in the Kubrick movie. Yeah. Um, is definitely portrayed as more of its own entity. Yeah. Um. Whereas, like, Kubrick didn't really do that. It was just kind of a place where there was ghosts. Um, whereas, like, the thing that King did and the thing that Flanagan did was make the, the Overlook an actual, like, malevolent... Like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a place, but that's kind of almost irrelevant. Like, it's basically a giant demon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I... It's... You know what I'm saying? Like to 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 figure that out for like for Danny as a character to figure that out that you know he's had this one view of his parent and then it's just like oh I I never really knew him at all and like now I'm seeing how he really was and shit you know what I'm saying and now he's trying to corrupt me it's like yeah like drink like it's it's like fucking Bender uh in uh breakfast club but it's like yeah drink up Danny you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah drink up pup you know what I'm saying and you know, and like obviously, like he's been sober for a long time. Um, uh, like that that line where he says, like, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe have a drink, and he was like, oh, this will cost an awful lot. You know, say, oh, it's on the house. Your money's no good here. He said, oh, it costs more than money. You know, it cost me eight years. You know, what I'm saying, and I mean, we we we've seen moments where. It, it, like right before like he he goes to look for where Abra is after fucking Crow Daddy has taken Abra like he, he he wants to have a drink but like no you know what I'm saying so you know he has his moments of weakness where it's just like you know I want to I want to drink so bad and like that's yeah his weakest moment you know what I'm saying where it's just like so crushing to know that you know this is what your parent thinks of you or has thought of you you know what I'm saying and it's like I wouldn't blame him if he would have took the drink at all you know what I'm saying? But, like, he's able to, like, show that he is much stronger man than his father ever was by simply saying, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, fuck you. No. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go down this road. 
Um, and like, you know, and, uh, I like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like the director's cut, but I think like the theatrical cut might be a little better. I uh, like both for different reasons. I think that like the whole thing, it's kind of like my whole thing with like the, um, like the Lord of the Rings, um, extended cuts, which I get a lot of shit for, um, <laughs> who are like, I like the original cuts just because I'm like, it's all killer, no filler. Like it's like, it's, you cut it to the actual, like the, the best cleanest possible version of what this movie has to be. And it's like, so it's my thing with Dr. Sleep as well. Whereas I think the director's cut, there's a lot of stuff that I like in it. Um, but it also kind of lets the air out of it and kind of like makes it not as scary and kind of makes it definitely not as tight. Yeah. Um, cause it kind of just like, it just kind of just adds and, and it just kind of, it, I'm not, it doesn't like bloat it per se. It just kind of like, and I, I know the goal was probably to slow it down. Cause like, I mean, like, cause that's the thing is like, I definitely think that's what kind of he was going for in terms of like the director's cut is making it more like novelistic and making it more like kind of almost like television and whatever. Um, whereas the director's cut or the, the theatrical cut is just like straight up, like the most efficient delivery system for this movie in this story. Yeah, like where he even has chapters in the, yeah. in the director's cut. Um, I like, uh, but in the director's cut, they 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 continue on um, Danny and Jack's uh, conversation where they go into the bathroom, you know. And I was like, I like in the theatrical cut where like after uh, Jack slaps the the cup away, and then it cuts to Abra like they're here. Oh, she's here. I mean. Um, and I was like, I like that better than the, 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 the conversation continuing on in the bathroom, because like, I, I think that's my biggest problem with the director's cut is that, um, you know what I'm saying? I love Flanagan, obviously, you know, I've stated as such, but, um, he gets a little, I was a little too carried away with the callbacks to the shining. Um, I mean, I don't know why it's necessary for Sarah the hat to see the blood, eleva- the blood coming out of elevator doors. I do very, I do like that. I do like that bit. I like the, 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 like the whole thing with the yeah, like when like Rose the hat sees the fucking blood coming out, and she's just like, ah, and just like walks off. I'm like, I like that moment because <laughs> like, 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 she's like that. She's not influenced by the Overlook. Like the, the Overlook to her is just like a like a whatever. Like it's like oh, it just showed me parlor tricks. Like, who gives a fuck? It's, Wait, like, I... like the, the, the like the bury the. I'm not going to say his character name in the book. I'll just say what they say in the movie, The Bear of the Chunk. Um, yeah. Not what they call him in the book. I'm not saying it, though. Um, <laughs> but um, when, like, um, Abra, like, tricks them and, like, Dan and uh, they're, they're, Dan and Billy are, like, sh- shooting them the true knot down. Um, before that happens, he's like, the parlor tricks, just parlor tricks. And that's the whole thing. Is I think that's like, the way she, like, sees the overlook, where he's just like, oh, look at you being cute, trying to scare me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, uh, I would like to make a correction. Um, it's Rose the Hat, and I yeah. think I referred to her as Sarah the Hat. You did. Uh, hi, Sarah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rose the Hat, uh, played by Rebecca Ferguson, who I will never look at the same way again. Because uh, I, I greatly enjoyed her, especially in the Mission Impossible movies. But after seeing her in this, I'm absolutely terrified of her. Um, I mean, but that's all a testament to her because she's. Oh yeah, she's a really good villain. Like she's because like, like she's playing it very like, it's she's not often like like outwardly like malevolent and like frightening, but it's like when the things that she does, even when she's being seeming like normal and nice, are fucking terrifying. Oh yeah, she's absolutely terrifying in the film. Um, I remember uh, recommending this to Mac and shit, and I was just like. 
he was like, oh, like uh, homegirl from uh, Mission Impossible is in here. And I was like, prepare to never look at her <laughs> the same way again. And then he was just like, word, to, like after he was done, he was like, word, bro, word. Like, yo, like, she was fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Was like, yeah, you saw what she did to Baseball Boy, right? And it was like, yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah, it was like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'll never look at Rebecca Ferguson the same way again. Because she is absolutely uh, magnificent in the film as Rose the Hat. Uh, she's just a, an incredible villain. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Like, like even from the jump, like, when uh, she, she murders the girl from Megan... Um, I still think of her as uh, Little Mel from Hill House, but okay, rock on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew she was in Hill House because uh, that's that's a uh, a Flanagan thing. He just likes reusing the the same people. Um, of, yeah, of course, I, I was think thinking she's they... Madeline McGraw. I know there's there's two McGraw daughters. Like I guess the, the the there's four siblings that are all actors, but the other one is in uh, Black Phone, and then I think it's Madeline that's in this and in Megan and Hill House. Yeah, but like I, I, I reference Megan because that's the one that's on everybody's mind at the point. Fair you enough. know what I'm saying? So so it's like the girl from Megan is in here, everyone. The girl the the, the Briefly, Katie, yes. Yeah. Katie Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care of the <laughs> fuck out of there. Real fast and real fucked up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um also uh what what's the um What's the, the the name of the actor who plays the uh, Lonnie in Halloween Kills? He was yeah, also yeah 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 uh, Robert Longstreet. Yeah know. yeah that's it that's it that's it that's it. He, he was, was also, also in, in Hotel. Yeah, um, and he's fantastic. And Midnight Mass. <laughs> yeah, and he's fan- like he's fantastic and like when he has that one his one big scene in Haunting a Hill House. Yeah. Um, he's fantastic. He's a fantastic actor. Yes, um, and he's very good in the character whose name I will not say, but yes, his his character in this film he's very good. <laughs> Yeah, um, there's uh, Bruce Greenwood also shows up in here very briefly, um, who was also in Jerry's Game. Flanagan <laughs> just used for this immediately. Before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like, yeah, Flanagan just likes uh, like reusing the same actors. Oh, of course, uh, Henry Thomas. Um, yes, 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 yes. And actually, he ended up using his Wendy in stuff since, because um, I believe she was in. Yeah, she was in Midnight Mass, and then she was in other stuff since. But yeah, like. Um, I do think Henry Thomas, because he's worked with Henry Thomas, I think, every movie since. It's been a, it's been a hot minute. Um, but, like, Henry Thomas. Um, Origin of Evil? Was, probably. I think I think so. was, was the first time he ever worked with Henry Thomas? Probably. But, yeah. like, yeah, like, um, I think it's funny. Cause, like, I, was, cause I was wondering, because like, when they showed that they, because they do such a good job. And I do think it was smart what he did when he, like, just recast them instead of trying yeah. to, like, do a digital version. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I'm not that saying it would have been impossible. Yeah, but it would have been fucking weird. Um, whereas, like, the way he did it, where you have them kind of doing impressions, but also kind of doing their own thing, um, it works really well because, it, like, your brain for like a split second is just, like, registering it as what it's supposed to be. But then it's, like, instantaneously, you're like, no, this is the movie. So I yeah. do think what Henry Thomas did was fucking great, where it's like he's bringing like the menace of what Jack Nicholson did, but without bringing the full on like impression of doing Jack Nicholson that everybody yeah. fucking does. Yeah, like the, the the actress who plays Wendy is is doing an impression of Shelley Duvall. Um, Henry Thomas is is basically interpreting Jack Torrance his own way. And I appreciate that a lot because like to try to do like a like a deep fake of uh Jack Nicholson would have been incredibly distracting. 
And, and also, I, I, Catman Crothers been really fucking ghastly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that yeah, been really fucking ghastly. If you're yeah, yeah. Take of Scatman Crothers. Yeah, Carl Lumley does a really good job doing uh, uh, Scatman Crothers, um, uh, Halloran. You know what I'm saying? But uh, as, as far as like those those roles, um, I, I I appreciate Henry Thomas the most because Henry Thomas just was like, ah, fuck it. I'm not going to try to do Jack Nicholson. I'm gonna just do my own thing, and like he's menacing in his own way, you know. Saying like the like the the, the speech that I just referenced, um, like he he's fantastic in his delivery in there, you know what I'm saying? And it's like like he, he like yeah he's playing uh, Jack Torrance, and you know what I'm saying like Jack Torrance as as a, as a character is iconic because of Jack Nicholson, but um, he makes it his own for like the brief time he plays him. And it's just utterly, he's just utterly great in, in it. You know what I'm saying? He's great in horror in general. It's fucking weird. You would not think that the, like, little Elliot from E.T. From E.T., yeah. He's so fucking good. Cause for my money, um, the scariest episode of Midnight Club is the one that he's in. And fuck, like, that dude, you would not think he had it in him. But he's so good at horror. Like, I mean, Christ, I mean, to be fair, even before he became, like, kind of a respected actor... He was um, in my uh, beloved uh, Psycho 4, uh, where he played the young Norman Bates. And I thought he was really good then, too. So, like, he is horror royalty, for being completely fair. But, like, you never think that he, that he has it in him until he shows you. And then the next time, you're like, he probably doesn't have Nope, still does. Every time. It's amazing. No, but I, I, I think this one is, is, is the biggest testament to him, you know what I'm saying? Because that is a difficult task you know to 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 do is cuz you're literally stepping into the shoes of Jack Nicholson yeah. you know so it's not like it's not like Steven Weber in the miniseries of the shining where it's just like you know this is a whole completely different thing you know what i'm saying where he's just like he's essentially playing Jack Nicholson but he's like ah fuck it you know what i'm saying like you know the balls on him to be like ah i'm not going to do it his way i'm going to do it my way you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, I'm gonna look like him and shit, but I'm not gonna do it exactly like he did. You know, I'm gonna do it my own way and excel at it. It's fucking glorious. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, like Henry Thomas has been fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Become one of my favorite actors. Like, like he, he brought me the tears in the last episode of fucking uh, Hill House. Yeah. Um, no, dude, the last last episode of Hill House is to this day the only time I can think of where I have cried and been terrified in the same, like, hour of television. Actually, I think it was even, like, from moment to moment that I fucking episode. Like, I, I, I definitely, I cried a lot, but I was also scared fucking shitless through, like, huge stretches of that episode. So, like, God bless everybody involved. Now, like, when that moment where uh, it, it changes from Timothy Hutt and Hugh and it yeah. cuts back to him, like, when he walks into to, to the Red Room, um... Like when he was just like, I was so lucky to have been your dad. It was just like, I was sitting there like, <laughs> like I was bowling like a fucking baby during that last episode. You know what I'm saying? Well, see, yeah, I, uh, I've said like, I've said this before, like Mike Flanagan does emo horror. And I was like, but I, I don't mean that in any kind of disparaging way. I mean that in the best possible way where it's like something that's like very deeply emotionally meaningful, but also fucking terrifying. <laughs> He also does the same thing here um, at, at the at the yeah. very end when uh, after Danny is, is possessed and um, uh, Abra lets him know that like, hey, um, but before like, you know, he came in, he made one stop into the boiler room. I was like, oh shit, like he set this motherfucker up to blow it. But the, the strength of Danny, uh, like they're going to shut it off, but the strength of Danny 
uh, like stops them from doing it. And then like um, when he starts seeing Wendy and it cuts back to uh, young Danny and shit is, is a deeply emotional moment. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Uh, also like, like here's the thing, like, uh, like uh, mentioned Morgan earlier. Um, and cause, cause uh, for the purposes of this discussion, I rewatched this. So, and she ended up rewatching cause she had been meaning to rewatch it for a while. She said, and um, she was like uh, that she thinks it's a fantastic movie, but she hates the ending because she prefers the ending of the book where Danny lives. And I was like, um, I don't. I mean, I've never read the book, but uh, I can't imagine me preferring the, the ending of the book over this one because I think like, yeah, it's sad. Danny dies, like, you know, what I'm saying because he'd made long strides to his recovery um, he's become a better person, you know what I'm saying? He's a fucking hero and shit, you know what I'm saying? But like, you know, even more so because he sacrifices himself. You know, but, but he's not dead. Like that's yeah, he's, yeah, the last he's, scene. Like he lives on. He just isn't his physical body is dead, but like yeah. he's still with Abra, like he's still having conversations with her. It's like Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And uh I, I, I do like, you know, when he tells her at the very end, you know, like he told her to keep her dead down to hide her shine, he was like, No shine on you know what i'm saying and it's just like nah i i i think i i greatly prefer this you know what i'm saying it's like i would have liked danny to live but i i prefer the ending as this but yeah, he gets the so, redemption that jack didn't because that's the whole thing is like originally, exactly yeah. like that was the original ending of the book was it like that jack blows up the overlook that's yeah. actually why that's a big part of the ending of dr sleep i hate is because it's like they're literally just having it in like the like fucking basically just the grounds of the overlook. And I was like, wow, that's not interesting at all. That's literally the opposite of interesting. Thanks, King. Really appreciate this. Like you made a terrible fucking like move like 30, 40 fucking years ago. And now I'm stuck with it. Thanks, bro. And then it was like this because since Kubrick denied him that ending, which admittedly sucks, but he gets to have it here. And that makes Danny's arc more interesting to me where it's like, yeah, he dies, but he has fully redeemed himself. Like to the extent that he's finally done what his father couldn't. Like he's yeah, he has exactly. done the he's done what Jack Torrance should have, but refused. And that's much more interesting than me to me than like than if he had just lived on and everything been happy. Yeah, like that's that's what I was saying. Like he he proved like in the bar scene that he is a better, stronger man than his father ever was. And like that is, you know shown uh greatly in the ending where he's just like he's able to overcome like his demons like you know uh in 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 both ways you know what i'm saying like you know his own personal demons and the actual demons is trying to fucking take him over and you know he's able to say fuck you to both and you know he sacrificed himself but he's content you know in his decisions and you know what i'm saying it's like it's fine you know and i'm saying like and he gets to basically do do for Abro what Halloran did for him all these years, you know what I'm saying? Which is you know look watch over him, you know and I'm saying he's able to watch over her, you know and I'm saying and you know maybe he could protect her in like you know basically like in the way that uh, like you know because he basically uh, kind of became his father, you know what I'm saying for most of his adult life, you know what I'm saying where he became an alcoholic. I mean like even more so and shit because. At least Jack had him and Wendy. They're like, you know what I'm saying? As like somewhat reminders us like, you know, when he fucking ragdolled uh Danny, he said, do my fucking pippers and I grabbed him and I may have. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? Um Danny didn't have that, so he was just completely fucking 
you know, just wallowing in the bottle and shit. Well, yeah, so, I mean, they even show you like where, where he starts off in the movie, like that whole thing with uh, the woman, where like, he basically oh, first he like beats the guy to death, and then he's like doing coke and fucking this random woman, and then eventually taking her money and leaving her and her child to fucking die in the fucking apartment. Right, 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 and and then they're fucking. They still haven't found the shit. Like that's him at his very worst. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's at the very bottom, you know what I'm saying, in that, in that you know, and he's finally able to, and like, you know, I guess you could also say that that, that was his repent for for that, you know what I'm saying? Because, uh, I mean, it's, it's it's assumed she was dead, that she, like, you know, you see her vomiting, and she choked to death on her vomit, I, I think is the, the implication right there, that uh, she's basically suffocated in her sleep and shit because she vomited in her sleep and shit, and vomit, I guess, stayed in her throat. And she suffocated, which led to the baby's death due to starvation. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they're just in the the, the apartment de- decaying. You know what I'm saying? Because Danny left her a, a, a stale, half-eaten bag of uh, Cheez-Its. Like, hey, I take this. And, and Halloran's like, uh, oh, come on, Dan. He's like, oh, she took my money first. You know what I'm saying? They're like, it, it probably this is probably mine. And it's like, it's not it's like he's like that's not the point, motherfucker. There's a baby here, you know what I'm saying? At least leave it so she can feed the baby and shit. And he's like, nah, fuck that. And then he just takes a bus out of there and shit. And poor lady and her kid die. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's that. There's the guilt of that. You know what I'm saying? As well as you know, him just coming to terms with just, you know, this has to be done. You know what I'm saying? This place has to go. You know what I'm saying? And if I have to go with it, so be it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm content, you know what I'm saying? Because he's now finally able to... Because he mentions that like he wasn't able to look his mother in the face. He wasn't able to look Wendy in the face as she was dying. Um, which I understand. Um, and, like, you know, that last image, you know what I'm saying? Like, right before the Overlook goes up, where it's like he's reverted back to his young self and shit. Well, like, you know... Um, and he's, you know, Wendy appears to him and he's finally able to look at her, you know what I'm saying? And this is like, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to burn up with these with this place and shit, but it's okay. You know, everything's going to be fine. You know what I'm saying? And as long as this this uh, this girl, you know, Alba, obviously, you know, she goes on and shit, you know what I'm saying? As long as, like, you know, he was able to become better than his father and she was obviously able to become better than him. You know what I'm saying? As long as, like, you know, he's there to guide her on the straight and narrow and shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it, it's sad, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's not like the happiest of endings. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like you were saying, it's like, you know, because the, 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 the ending of the book sounds like some happy Hollywood bullshit. Um, this one is not that, but it's still a happy ending in itself because, um, is going to be a play. And like, I like that moment when she tells, like, you know, she she first she's like who are you ta-? like the mother's like who are you talking to and she's like no one and then like no no I lied I was talking to my friend Dan he's okay and Daddy is too after you know after they go they go on and you know, and, she, and you know you can see her mother's comforted in 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 hearing that that you know her husband you know what I'm saying is is okay you know what I'm saying and that like you know we'll go on being okay afterwards and shit and it's like also like at the very end. Where uh the old lady in the tub? Yeah, fucking. Because uh, basically she takes on uh like takes on Danny's like fucking mission of like imprisoning all the fucking overlook ghosts again. Right. Um, that's 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 a that's a solid 
ghostbustery like life pursuit at that point. Right, 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 right. But like you know, you know, it took him a while to to Dan to come to that because we see him experience that. And, you know, he was terrified, but then like you know, he was able to like lock them up and shit. But Aubrey's just like, nah, fuck this. I'm gonna go pee. And fuck this bitch. You know what I'm <laughs> I will say, I think that her mom, it is really fucking weird. Um, like, cause it was like her mom is played by uh, the girl from House of the Devil. The Devil, yeah. And I was just like, it's really fucked up that in like a decade she's gone from being like the final girl to that in that movie to being the mom of like this character. I was like, weird, weird shit. I'm not against it, but it's weird shit. <laughs> I was I was happy to see her in this though because oh, I really yeah, like yeah I I really liked her in the House of the Devil so like I mean she doesn't I really get so yeah 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 House of the Devil was great um and I and I really liked her in that um that was also the uh the first time I seen a uh, uh, Greta Gerwig in something well yeah um, everybody the first time they saw Greta Gerwig in something yeah yeah the first time we meet her like you know and then she gets her face blown off oh spoilers for House of the Devil. <laughs> <laughs> my bad <laughs> but um yeah 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 i was like oh shit it's it's it's, it's the house of the devil girl um and so it's so, like she doesn't really get much to do but uh it, it was it was great to see her in there because I, I really thought she was really good in that movie you know what i'm saying i really liked her um but yeah it's like yeah uh flanagan really knows how to do like Schmaltzy, but not too schmaltzy. I would say like it's emo. emo like it's, yeah. like it, it feels like it's it's very, it's it's deeply emotional, and it's. I mean, yes, it could be seen as like schmaltzy, manipulative, whatever you want to say. Um, but to me, it always feels earned, so I never feel that. Yeah, way. it's like it's yeah, always yeah. like yeah. So like yeah. I, I don't, I never mind personally. Yeah, me neither. Like it's it's definitely earned. It's not like 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 exactly what you said, like manipulative. Like he earns these endings. You know what I'm saying? Through the stories he tells. And also, it's like, you reminded me, it's kind of like uh, when you said that Avra takes on uh, um, Danny's, like, demons and all that stuff. It's, it was almost the same kind of ending as uh, Hill House. Yeah. Where, where like, you know, after Hugh uh, goes to be with Nell and the mom in uh, the Red Room and shit, Stephen walks out, like, you know, and, like, in, in Hill House, he's like, oh, I've never seen one ghost, you know what I'm saying? Like, so he thinks it's all bullshit. And then, like, as he's walking out, he sees all of them. Yeah. Because you know it's 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 now his cross to bear now, like you know the house it's all yours. You, you like basically you're the man of the house now. So now like he basically has to take all this on. So now he sees every single ghost, and it's like that's basically Abra's here. Like you know what I'm saying she takes on, um, Danny's demons and shit that he's been fighting for years and shit. Like you know kept locked up for years, but it's going to be all right. And you know what I'm saying that's you know. That's the you know the message I think I like best that this movie leaves you with. You know what I'm saying? You you go through some shit, but you know what I'm saying if you're strong enough, everything's gonna be all right. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I've yet to see like figure out that's true and shit, but I'm working on it. Uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, the, don't don't mean uh, I don't mean to be make this all sad and fucking uh, you know grim or anything i'm just saying you know what i'm saying because it has to be said because if i don't say it and shit i'm gonna go fucking mad <laughs> that's why patrick's here you know what i'm saying so you know what i'm saying so i'm not sitting there fucking like just like wallowing in misery you know say i actually have the homie here to be like all right you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> all right 
Um, but yeah, uh, fucking just masterful movie. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you know, like I know, like we try to talk about as many characters because there's so many fucking characters and yeah. shit. You know, what I mean, saying? I do think that ultimately the thing that's actually like it's like I do want to mention Cliff, Cliff Curtis fucking rules. Oh like, yeah. But like, yeah, in this, I really like him because he doesn't definitely get oh, like a ton to do. But like, he definitely like Curtis. He gets to deliver like a sweet ass monologue. <laughs> like, like at the very least, like he gets to deliver a sweet ass Mike Flanagan monologue, and he does it with a plum. And so like, God bless Cliff Curtis. Oh yeah, Cliff Curtis has always been one of my favorite actors. You know what I'm saying? Like that 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 man is just like and like you know he's a master at playing everything. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Uh, I like how they cast him as a Mexican in uh, Training Day, and it's like just because he has dark skin, and it's just like, yeah, you know, this. Uh, I mean, that's not his fault and shit, but like, come on, guys, you you couldn't find another Mexican actor for that. But he's great. He's he's fucking great because he's always great. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's just one of my favorite character actors. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like a new version of a that guy actor. Oh, yeah, he, so. he's he's a great character. The thing is, like, I was like, I've seen him in a million things, and I will always be happy to see him. So that's why I was just like, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. Is like he was like a Mexican in Trading Day. He's Samoan in uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Like it's like whatever whatever ethnicity you need the man to be, <laughs> he is he is there. He is ready to be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely, and like he's fucking fantastic. Um, like I mentioned, Carl Lumley as uh, Halloran does a, a fantastic job. Um. And I like Emily Lind. Um, yeah, I was, the, I was, I was literally, just, yeah, I was literally <laughs> just about to say like Snake by Andy. You know, say I was literally, you literally took the word out of my mouth. <laughs> She's the uh, sister of um, the girl that's on Chucky, and like I was like, so they're like new school horror royalty, like, like, and actually, uh, they're both the daughters of the mayor on Chucky. <laughs> Yeah, they like yeah, like uh, you have her and her sister and Chucky. You have a uh, Megan girl, um, yeah. and um, wh- what was her sister on? Uh, uh, okay, yes, Madeline McGraw was on uh, Black Phone. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I want to say Violet McGraw is the one that's in this movie. I want to say I think that's what they yeah. called her, Violet, in the in the original in the in the opening. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe that's her name. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, like, uh, uh, you know, to bring up an uh, actor who plays Crow Daddy, whose name is yeah. escaping me. Like he, I don't know, but yeah, he's good. Yeah, like, he's, I, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, and he's always fucking good, especially when he plays, like, menacing. Yeah. Like, you know, because he does have, like, he, he does creepy and menacing very fucking well. That is fair, but in this movie, I do think he is the one that actually, like, the, kind of makes the true knot in and of itself. He's kind of the one that kind of does all the heavy lifting of making them sympathetic, because he's not somebody who, yeah, he's menacing when he has to be, but he's mostly just trying to take care of his family, and I, yeah. like, I think that, that's kind of, that's interesting, I think. Like, yeah, he's the more practical one of her, like, you know, she's yeah. just got a, yeah, he's just like, Rose, like, come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're being unrealistic, you know what I'm saying? Like, where uh, she doesn't want to open a canister, you know what I'm saying, because they're running dry on steam, and it's like we, we need a canister. And it's like uh, you know we'll find it's like like we're fucking eating everybody, you know what I'm saying. We're sucking the steam out of everybody. There's like barely anybody left, you know what I'm saying. You need to open a canister, you know what I'm saying. Like it's like you say, he's trying to protect, you know, the rest of them, you know what I'm saying. Because she's just just like ah, you know what I'm saying. She's just a little, she's too carefree, you know what I'm saying. And, and not really taking into consideration that, you know, they have these issues because she's always thinking that, oh, we'll find somebody and we'll suck the fucking steam out of them and shit, you know. And he's just like, you know, be reasonable here, please, you know. 
But yeah, I do love that. That's her thought. Like, is like, uh, like when um, Andy is basically like, I thought we were, I thought we lived forever. And she's like, did I tell you you were immortal? It's like, no, I said, eat well, live long. It's like, but we haven't been eating well for a long time. And I'm like, so you essentially just sold this girl to vampirism without actually like having any kind of plan of how to like keep this girl alive. You yeah. fucking bitch. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, you know, it's a, a, another really good scene I like is, um, uh, Abra's, uh, well, basically Danny's, uh, confrontation with Crow Daddy in the van. Yeah. Where, where, uh, the actress who plays Abra is, uh, basically doing an impersonation, uh, of, uh, Ewan McGregor. Cause that's essentially what happened. He played the scene first and then she watched it and she played it just like he did. Um, and like they, they basically said, I'm the one who killed all your friends. Oh, that's that's you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And I, I love their 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 like, you know, their big fucking back and forth between them and shit. As um like he's contemplating like shoot this motherfucker. He's like, you know, I don't think Rose is gonna be too happy with you shooting the prize. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's like the way she's basically playing like Danny in that scene and shit, you know, say Ewan McGregor is fucking great. You know, saying her going back and forth with Crow Daddy is fucking great. Um but yeah, like uh, fucking uh, Lurch is in here. Carol Strykin, um, yes, I think uh, yeah. he's well, he's also he's the he's the giant on um Twin Peaks as well. Basically, when you need a really tall guy, he was also in um Jill's Game, um, which I think is the first time he worked with Flanagan, um, and he was in Hill House because I mean, how many fucking other giants do you have? Um, like I guess in Hollywood, there's probably a fair amount, but like, um, but yeah, no, I've always liked him since he was Lurch when I was a child. So yes, Carl Strykin fucking rules. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I apologize if uh, you're offended if uh, I don't call you by your actual actor name, like, your, your real name, because, like, you know, uh, fucking, he's always just been Lurch, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, every time I see him, holy shit, it's Lurch, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he is my favorite Lurch, I will definitely say, like, of all the versions of Lurch, he is my favorite by far. Nah, I like the one in the TV show, because he was also the voice of the Incredible Hulk. Fair, but like I'm just saying, my own personal yeah, thing. That's, I do love that, Carl Strickland. That's my bias. That's my bias right there. The, the 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 lurch from the TV show was also the voice of the Incredible Hulk, so he's my favorite. <laughs> like he was the basic older one, like Rawr! and it's just like, yeah, he's the Incredible Hulk, so you know, the, the, he's my favorite. He's he stops, <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I like dude and shit, uh, you know, saying. As as Lurch and like yeah he was also on Twin Peaks and other stuff and um yeah it's just you know Flanagan just knows how to put together a damn fine cast you know what I'm well, saying yeah, that's, that's just... the thing. people about him working with people over and over again but it's like, my whole thing is like I also it's like it's like people give shit for Kevin Smith too which always annoyed me I was like so you're mad at people or you're making fun of people for being like hey, making movies is hard. I like working with this person. I want to work with them again. Rather than just, like, putting yourself through hell with, like, strangers. Like, I was like, that seems terrible. Like, I was like, so I was like, if I was him, I would happily, like, work with the same people over and over again if I knew that they were awesome. So it's like, the fact that he assembled that cast, and he always assembles a fucking great cast, is, to me, one of his strengths and not a weakness in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, what, what what is weird to me is that you know, saying we we talk about him, you know, using you know a lot of the same people that he works with. However, um, he didn't use his wife in here. 
she might not have been available. I mean, like she does, she is a working actor, so she just does show up in other stuff. So, like, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if she was doing something else at the time. Like, yeah, like, yeah, Flanagan is very much a wife guy. Yes. Um. Um. Because he 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 puts her in, and it's it's not like you know, uh, it's not a thing where it's just like, oh, she's my wife. Uh, I'm just gonna put her in stuff. She's also a great actress. Oh yeah. Like in like Hush. Hush. Yeah. I was just about to yeah, say Hush. Like, she's yeah. fucking amazing. And I mean, great Hush in general is fucking amazing. But yeah. Yeah, like she she's she's incredibly convincing as as a deaf person in in Hush, and she's also a, a great in a Hill House. Yep. Um, I mean, uh, she's great in Midnight Mass as well. Yeah, there's uh, actually you can get. I don't know if you still can, but I know that for a while, um, because she's a frequent guest on the King Cast, and they mm-hmm. put out shirts, and there was like, uh, you know, like there's like in Monster Squad, there's a Stephen King rules shirt. Yeah. Um. There was. They made for King Cast. They made Kate Siegel rule shirts. <laughs> I was like, that. That's a. That's a viable shirt. Everyone should get that shirt. No. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So it's like, um, like it's it's weird because this is probably like the the the, the biggest project he's ever worked on. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like you know, I mean, it it was mid budget, uh, film, but uh, well, I mean, it's mid budget for like now. <laughs> like it's not mid, but like if this was like. In the eighties, like, not even not even that, like, even two thousands. This would have been like considered like a big budget movie, but because now you're making movies for like three hundred million dollars, it's like, well, we spent a hundred million on uh, Hill House, which I'm sorry, on uh, Doctor Sleep. So like, this is our one of our lower budgeted films that we're releasing this year, right? Like, yeah, I guess you could. That's true in in, in this case of uh, it being a horror film because horror films literally don't get, but um. Has there ever been like a hundred million dollar horror picture? I mean, I know that it had some money behind it. I can't. I don't know how much it would. I don't know how much it cost. I know it oh. chapter two definitely spent money because like it's it's very clear there's all the special effects and shit it has to be pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. I wish some of that money would have went to the script, but it did not. <laughs> um, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I I have always said nice things about it chapter two. I will continue saying nice things about it chapter two. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm well aware of that, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, like, I, like it's like you said, like you know, it, it, it's not like a Sherry Moon zombie thing where like she only yeah. appears in her husband's work. Like you yeah. said, she is a working actress, so like she she will appear in other stuff and shit. But um, it would have been nice to, to to have her in there. You know what I'm saying? Because no, I agree. I'm, I'm always yeah. I'm always used to seeing her in his stuff. You know what I'm saying? And she's always a welcome addition. You know, just like. Almost like uh, seeing Dick Miller in a Joe Dante movie. That's fair. You know, what I'm saying? You know seeing Casey Siegel in a, in a in a Mike Flanagan production and shit. You know, saying always always rocks and shit. But uh, you know, it's probably why the movie failed. Oh like, fuck you! Because <laughs> he because he didn't have her in the cast. You know what I'm saying? He, he didn't, I mean, he didn't <laughs> the only thing is like that thing is like I was like, it's funny. Like that's. <sighs> It's because I don't give a fuck about like box office or anything because like in the end that doesn't mean anything as far as like the actual movies go. Exactly. But it did bum me out that it did make money just for the same reason. If anything, it's like we currently when horror is making money and everyone's really excited and I completely get that. But I'm like, it doesn't affect me the same way. It doesn't affect me if like a movie doesn't make money because I'm just like in the end the movie is what matters. It does right. bum me out only because. I feel like Mike Flanagan won't get the opportunity again, which is a bummer. Um, however, having said that, he's currently in a deal with Amazon, who 
We'll literally throw money at basically anything. Like they, they'll mean, I'm pretty sure The Rings of Power is the most expensive fucking show of all time. Yeah, it so is. So it's like they're definitely very likely to do, uh, like, uh, put a lot behind Dark Tower. So I definitely think that he will have the chance to, like, have to do something truly grand and epic. Because that's, that's the main thing about Dr. Sleep is, it is funny, though, because I, I was actually meant to mention earlier, but I forgot. Um, Sarah can attest to this, because I was in the theater with her on opening day watching it. And when I saw The Shining when I was a kid... Because um, I've talked about a lot how like, the movie that left the like the, that I remember leaving the first scar was Nightmare on Elm Street, but even before that, I think I don't know for sure because the timeline is wonky because I was a like a very small child. But um, I had actually forgot because I watched the movie so many times at this point that it doesn't really affect me. But um, when I was a kid and I saw The Shining, it fucked me up really, really bad, and I had forgotten until I was sitting in the theater watching Doctor Sleep and they do that scene where um, they're going back to the Overlook and they play the orchestral version of the music. Mm-hmm. And literally, a chill went up my spot. Like, yeah. literally, I, I, I audibly was like, oh, no. And Sarah was like, what? I was just like, I forgot how much that movie fucked me up until this exact second. <laughs> like, I was just like, I suddenly feel this great sense of dread. And, like, that thing is like, so, like, to give all the, Flanagan, all the credit in the world to Mike Flanagan, but I will also say... I don't in any way want to impugn what uh, Kubrick did with the original Shining, because I do think that it's a great masterpiece of not just horror, but cinema in general. Exactly. Yeah, so it's like, I definitely, I hope that it's clear in the course of the conversation that I have nothing bad to say about The Shining other than, like, very things of just, like, it definitely doesn't follow the book that I love as much, but I like it, I very much enjoy it separately. Like, it's its own thing, they're two separate things that I very much enjoy both things. It's just Dr. Sleep is actually kind of the example of taking a book I don't like and managed to make a really good movie out of it. Whereas Kubrick took a book I did like and made an almost completely different movie out of it. Like, I don't think either Flanagan or Kubrick is bad or any, anything like that. Like, I, th- I think they both made great fucking films. And mm-hmm. I do think, thinking about Dr. Sleep, that I think is also interesting is that um, what Flanagan did, the budget and everything, is something you don't get a lot in horror in general. Um, is he made a epic horror film? Like it's like what you don't often get, like something with that kind of scale, you don't usually get. And I think that's actually a testament to it and like how good it is. That like I don't even know if you really realize it or think about it or like can verbalize it when you're watching it. But like I feel like that's why it also that's why it stands out is because he made something that you don't see a lot. And he did it really fucking well. And it's like, I, mean, I guess because he, he's already proven he can do it really well. Because I, mean, I think um, his Netflix series are also very epic um, in their scope. It's just a matter of they, because the way TV is now, you just kind of expect that. Um, whereas in horror cinema, like, because you would have like the same playing field for like a $15,000 movie that you have for like $15 million or $150 million movie. Uh, you don't really think about it, but I think that it's it's impressive that he was able to do this, which is why it bums me out that it wasn't super successful, because I was like, I feel like if he was to do more like this, the fact that we were robbed of it sucks. Like, that bums me out. Yeah, but I think he's found his niche, you know what yeah. I'm saying, in uh, television, because, um, you know, he's allowed to, I mean... You know, saying when you're making a movie, you know, saying you could only go so far in length and shit before they're like, yeah, this is too long and we can't show it enough times in a day and shit. You got to cut it down. You know what I'm saying? And you, you lose a lot. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, 
But now we got to wait to the fucking extended cut, the director's cut on Blu-ray comes out to get the full story. Whereas, like, you know, with something like Hill House, you know what I'm saying, Midnight Mass and shit, he's allowed to just go at his own pace and shit and tell a, a, a full-on complete story and shit. And I, I think and that a works. grand story, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that works a lot better for him, you know what I'm saying, than him just being like, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a movie guy and shit, but you know I, I'm I'm a Mike Flanagan guy and shit. So whatever he does and shit, I'm there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah, yeah, maybe because uh, I I never, you know, this may come as a shock to some people and shit, but uh, I haven't read many uh, Stephen King books. Um, so yeah, I had like, a weird thing because um, I I told you about it where like, I um when I was doing my like podcast with Mills. Uh, which still exists. He's he's continued on uh, Men of the Machine, but um, we did um, the, an episode because I'd watched it and I was like, I kind of want to watch. Uh, I kind of want to read the book again because I had read the book since I was a kid. And he was like, Oh, what you could do is um, you could watch uh, you, you you watch the movie, then you could read the book, and then um, watch the miniseries. We get all comparing and contrast. And I was like, Yeah, it's a really cool idea. It was punishing to do, Rob. Like it was like it was a lot. It was a lot to do in a book. I did it in, like a week or two. Like I, it was like it's so yeah, but um, but I did end up from there. I read like I reread all of the classic King because I hadn't read any of it since I was a kid, and I read like a lot of the new stuff too. And like I finally just finished like doing a lot of it, like literally within the last year. Um, I have been still keeping up with it, but like Doctor Sleep was not one of my favorites. Whereas The Shining, I had forgotten how much I liked it. So like I definitely think it's worth it to go through his stuff, but at the same time. They're not all winners. Is all I'm gonna say. No, I feel that. I feel that. Um, damn, what the fuck was I gonna say? I had a great point. You know, what I'm saying that I want to leave it. In, in some... <sighs> you haven't yeah, read no. a lot of King. Is all you're gonna say? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It, uh, I haven't. I haven't read a lot of King. You know, what I'm saying. Um, I watched a lot of his movies, but I haven't read a lot of his books. Um, which, you know, what I'm saying, uh, it, it is what it is and shit. But. Um, uh, fuck. I, I really I think he and Flanagan have similar sensibilities, so they're both very character oriented. And like, so it's like even the stuff that, like, the, most of the really good Stephen King stuff is the stuff that's like very character oriented, like, even like going back to like Carrie. Um, and like the ones that are like well adapted have that. And that's why I think Dr. Sleep works is because like Flanagan also understands that. Whereas I feel like a lot of directors that adapted his shit did not understand that at all and just kind of tried to like lean into the horror thing and it was it's almost always a mistake when you do that like the best ones like let's say like misery or like, even like shawshank you mentioned shawshank before like they're all the ones that like the directors understood king's thing of like character comes first and then like whatever story plot you're doing comes second yeah and then you have shit like the lawnmower man um, <laughs> and it's just like um not watch us because I remember liking it. I would know if I watch it again, I'm gonna fucking hate it. So like, I just don't do it. It's like, uh, how do you correlate uh, this story with virtual reality? I, I don't know, but uh, shout out to you, Brett Leonard. You did it. Um, well, to be fair, I mean, the whole thing was by all accounts on that one is basically like they had a script and they happened to have the rights to Stephen King's Lawnmower Man. So they basically were like, hey, we can say this is based on Stephen King's Lawnmower Man. And it was Stephen King that was like, you didn't do anything from my story at all. Like, no, I'm taking my fucking name off that. No. <laughs> right. right. Like, that, that was going to be their biggest selling point. Like, yeah, Stephen King's the lawnmower man. And he was like, I don't fucking think so here, buddy. You know what I'm saying? And he had to take his fucking name off of it. 
<laughs> just like, yeah, 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 you got me fucked up in these streets. <laughs> You're not about to put this shit on my fucking resume. Fuck out of here and shit. Um, yeah, like, I used to like that one as a kid, too, and shit. Because yeah. it was like, oh, wow, this is cool and shit. And then I read the original story, and it was like, how did the fuck did they get virtual reality <laughs> out of this? They you know did. They just literally had a script they happened to be able to throw his name on. That's literally the extent of it, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, reading the original story, too, and shit, it's like, you could have made such a great disturbing movie out of this and shit, you know what I'm saying? But you went with virtual reality. <laughs> and and fucking uh, Jeff Fahey with a bad die job. Um, yeah. Yeah, Stephen King needs to stop selling his short story rights for a dollar. <laughs> no, 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 that was not him. Like that was because like, that was like I mean I don't know exactly what the, the deal was with that, but like the dollar babies thing is a different thing. The dollar babies thing is he'll sell the rights to a dollar to like an aspiring filmmaker and be like, oh hey, like you can do like this movie. Well, you always pay the rights for the dollar, but like we just can't release it wide. Like, you basically only I can see it. And then like, but if he like likes you, then it's like that's kind of that's what happened with Frank Darabont, where it's just like, well, if he likes you, then he'll be like, he'll let you adapt the other shit, and like you can become Frank Darabont. Right, right, right. I've 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 been thinking about that one for a second, and say like, I want to I want to do that with the Lawnmower Man because it's like Lawnmower Man is, is a story his I actually like, and it's like it deserves a better fucking movie than the one oh, we got. Oh, short stories, like they're they're really good, and like they don't they didn't they like. The ones they did turn in the movies, a lot of them are shit because they tried to like again. It was a thing I was like talking about. Where like they tried to like expand on the premise and didn't give a fuck about actually putting interesting characters into it. They just thought the horror was interesting and not the characters. And I was like, and that's where you fail. <laughs> like I was like, that's what. And then, but I was like, to be fair, it's why a lot of these are short stories. And like Stephen King didn't necessarily extend them. Like some of them work. Like you can turn the body into Stand by Me. You can. That's entirely possible. But then you try to make the lawnmower man and you end up with that because how the fuck else? Like there was just, there was not a full length film in it. So you just did what you did a movie that, with a guy that happened to have a lawnmower in it. Yeah. Yeah. And then just jettison the lawnmower for virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was that one scene. It was the there. 1990s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people say, oh, CGI is going to be the thing of the future. Let's I mean, jump they were on wrong. that. <laughs> I mean, like, no, they were absolutely right and shit, but it's like. Not in that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, how do you take uh, how do you take the story of the lawnmower, man? Like, hey, we want to turn this to a movie. Oh, how do we do that? I know something that'll work. Virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Oh, man. It's just like. And like, I remember the. I I don't know why they haven't released it on uh, like Blu-ray and stuff, but um, I think maybe did Shelf Screen Factory do it? Because I know that when it was released on VHS, it was the the director's cut, which was uh, because the the theatrical cut is only like a hundred and something minutes, but the director's cut is a hundred and thirty-two minutes. Oh, so it's like a half hour more of footage, and it's like, why why do we need half an hour more of the Lawnmower Man? Wanna, I don't think we do. Uh, I'm pretty confident we don't. <laughs> we didn't need any minutes of the Lone War, man. <laughs> I didn't like that movie as a kid and shit. But then I, I mean, mean, I haven't watched it since. I remember liking it. I don't want to ruin it, but yeah. <laughs> no, I did, and I'm just like, and I used to like this shit. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Stephen King is, is, the work of Stephen King is a minefield. And especially with him himself and shit, because you talk about 
uh, director is misunderstanding his work. <laughs> he himself and shit with maximum overdrive. He was so, on a lot of cocaine, Rob. He really yeah. liked cocaine at the time. <laughs> yeah, like I think mean, the best thing to, 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 to come out of maximum overdrive is uh, he realizes he needs to stop doing cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the Green Goblin truck, but yeah, that is better. <laughs> but yeah, like he he like he fucking made that movie and then saw it and was just like, "Damn, I need to get off the snow. <laughs> I need to stop skiing these Alps and shit. This got me fucked up in these streets. Holy shit!" <laughs> I still I still like that movie though, but you know, for for reasons uh, other than it being actually good. <laughs> For the record, I do not. <laughs> I we do not share this. This is the one thing we are we are apart on. I think that movie sucks. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this has been uh well, I mean, there was it kind of devolved into a Stephen King <laughs> shit fest towards the end. But this has been primarily Chainsaws and Claws. <laughs> if you were <laughs> listening to us on a podcast platform, presumably you know how to find us. If you were looking for us on other podcast platforms, we are there. We are probably all, I think we're on all of them. Unless there's really obscure ones, but fuck them. Um, we are on uh, Instagram, Chainsaws Claws, Twitter, Chainsaws Claws. Um, we both exist on Twitter separately. So any place you want to find us, we are there. And I really hope you have a good time watching these films because you fucking should watch Dr. Sleep. It's amazing. Uh-huh.